The Silly Goose Gang Podcast. And we are back. Episode 62 and year two of the Silly Goose Gang podcast. And what better way to kick it off than being joined by a friend, Dean Hepburn from Primitive Evolve. So, Dean, thank you very much for joining us. Cheers for having me, gentlemen. Pleasure to both get our actual conversation with us with it last year, as we were just saying. Um, we've not really had the chance to cross paths, albeit under a similar facility and uh, similar coaches. So, um, I believe me and Chris as well, we've got a lot of similar friends, Bradley Hamilton and stuff like that as well. Aye, so man. For Aye. years I've heard people say nice things, but never actually formally met you. So, Aye, they were lying to you, Skype <laughs> <laughs> obviously, nice to meet yourself as well. So Absolutely. Uh, I know uh, Brad's a fucking awesome wee guy. I used to take him east when he started boxing um, uh-huh. back in back in my glory days. I used to take him running and stuff when he was uh-huh. like fourteen year old. So I uh, love, love Brad, man. He's a fucking cool guy. He's, he's, a, he's a brown freak. belt. He's, he's a, a brown belt now. He? He's a freak. Uh, freak uh, athlete. Good, good kid, man. He's a good <laughs> kid, man. So, so um, Dean, strength and conditioning coach, nutritionist, free thinker. Uh, I would uh, definitely say so. Maybe against the grain or whatever. If the grain's gone this way, I'm uh, not so much going back against the grain as to going sideways. I want to start by asking you about your um, your fashion sense. <laughs> You're a man as well that likes uh, audacious colours and patterns. Uh, man, I like uh, I like, but, but uh, mostly I'm uh, saying that I've got I've got a pink Goliath hoodie. Um, uh, uh, like, but like mostly socks and that. It's mostly socks you me. Like it's yeah. like I have to buy socks. Like why would I buy boring socks? I only buy somebody, yellow you can ones. Guarantee somebody might try and steal your socks. But if you've got Paisley print socks, there's nobody's going to them. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's um. I so your your. I like your your thought process and things is interesting. Like it's not. I don't want to say conventional because that sounds so fucking cliche, but it's not like a you don't think like everybody. So, uh, like, what's your bias? Like, where you originally go over the flow, fucking swimming, swimming in the same direction as all the other fish, and then you had like a moment of, and then I don't know if that's, um, but, but maybe a lot has been like an only child. If you're an only child, then I'd moved around a lot with my mother due to. Issues for when my, my father had died a, a heroin overdose when I was very young. Unfortunately, I was the only one in the house. So you you were sculpted for a young age in the terms of one coming to terms of what somebody in a body bag would look like uh, being taken out of house. And two, obviously, someday that's your, your next of kin being missing. So you've not got this father figure. You've got a mother playing a father figure. And fortunately, I had a good stepdad. But nonetheless, you are the only child. So you are a lot of time to yourself, a lot of time possibly where you are then your thought process are becoming more individual as well as um, moving school several times up until coming to Fife. And then, then fortunately, the Kingdom of Fife adopted me up until these, uh, these last sort of 18 years or so, <clears throat> which I'm going to take that as a blessing. But <clears throat> I think it's, that's been a big influencing factor is that you've, you've never had that sort of solid group of peers where you went through primary school, high school and mm-hmm. such. And um, I've then been fortunate enough to be going to a girl who's been working here as a software engineer coming from Brazil as well. And obviously the things I'd seen being younger, there was times I wouldn't say I had a victim mentality, but I felt like, fuck, I would see people that had this ideal family. Um, And for years it would be a sort of a recurring thought. But then I would meet my girlfriend, I'd hear about sort of the stark differences. And no matter what I've seen in Scotland, when I hear about what goes on in Brazil and uh, other other areas of the world, it, it humbles me a wee bit. That, and I've never tried to let it define me as such, but obviously it's a, 
it's a memory for a young age where it's created some level of traumatic experience that you've carried throughout your life, mm-hmm. um, which could be sort of I would say it'd be both positive and negative at times, um, and maybe more so in my, as I hit my thirties and stuff. I would say it's more positive, um, and likewise when I'll sort of divulge a little bit when I went to university, they teach you to be more of a critical thinker, and you see you see the patterns and sort of dif- different subsets of society when it comes to political things or even the vaccine the whole vaccine thing you're seeing a lot of alt-right propaganda and stuff and when you can critically look at it critically think it you, you sort of start to see through it um and likewise my, my uncle had shared a scientific paper with me as well and it was showing you how much um your memes are military incentivized so there's two sort of subsets uh, military incentivized memes one for military uh, people that would then be under the banner of the military and two that would be people out with military. So it could could be something simple, like maybe you would see war vets with dogs and stuff like that as well, which I thought was just sort of nine out of ten times was, was genuine, um, genuine sort of memes that you'd see put into circulation, but then you're finding scientific research, which is then arguably hard to deny. That it's, there's military incentivised ties and stuff, which is it's a shame because you, you, you don't know what would be these this kind of guy with a tinfoil hat on who doesn't want to get a vaccine, who's anti-vaccine passports and stuff, when you've probably had things like a smallpox vaccine, tuberculosis at high school and stuff, and yet here we are, the three of us have lived to tell the tale. But then the flip side is that when there's a lot of money tied up and things like that, you'll see it's it's affecting things at the level of politicians and the military and stuff, and I think the Cambridge Analytica it then further highlighted just how easy manipulated we might be by the likes of our phones and stuff like that as well, um, which is a, it's a shame because obviously war is, in some ways, is a necessary evil, what you'll see with tensions in the Middle East and times have gone by, World War II, there's, there's a lot of arms and legs and stuff, but it, some somebody has to govern the people. And it doesn't mean that all military personnel and stuff like that are bad, all politicians are bad, but it's a shame that we're now got so much information at our hands that it's almost like we're spoiled to what to believe. And it could almost mm. uh, sculpture your beliefs a little bit as well. Went off on a wee bit of a tangent there. the fuck well. did you get to fucking... It's interesting. I, I don't know if any of you have done the Briggs-Myers personality test as well, where it sort of talks about introvertedness and shootness and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that was something that also it highlighted that you were in a a different sort of thought processes you would see maybe as people were and one of the people I compare you to which I'm going to run with for the rest of my life was Elon Musk I was like I'll take that although I'm maybe no, never going to this is interesting because I was saying earlier I listened to Elon the last time on JRE right and I was listening to it and I was listening to it um, kind of closely and I, and I was saying to Ali like, I don't know I can't, I still can't figure out if he's an absolute <laughs> fucking genius or he's winging the whole thing. I, I, I'm still like, he's either the smartest man that's ever lived or he's a fucking moron who's winging it. Like, I can't, I still can't make that because he said a few things that I'm going, that's, that's wrong. It was about cars and airbags and he's telling you about how amazing airbags are. Right. And I'm going, that's fucking horseshit because it, although these airbags are amazing, right. And they, they deploy and, they're also completely fucking right off a car. So uh, he was talking about the terms of um, uh, the cars being good and like and then and, and, and about cars and environment. And then he's talking. And I go, yeah, but that's yeah, that's wrong because if a if a car gets a light bump now, 
because this is what I do for a living, right? All the airbags go off. The car gets rent off. That's me. And uh, it fucking it writes the car off. Uh-huh. That's not good for the environment. So he, and I'm going, you're wrong. That's you're wrong in that instance. So then you start going, and they say the other things about solar panels in cars, like you'll never be able to put a solar panel in a car to power the car for battery powered. And I'm saying what you're saying then is we need so much area for solar power. The solar power is no really the fucking answer. Like what so then you start then I, and then I just, I just start going. Is he a fucking genius, or is he a moron who's winging it? Is he just a slavering cunt? That's exactly why I think I took to him. He's maybe just a slavering cunt. That's maybe where the the unorthodox (laughs) thinking comes to. You slaver enough, but people will buy into it. He's a fucking, like, billionaire, and he seems super successful, and he seems, like, genuinely for a guy who's doing what he's doing, he seems, like, pretty down to earth. He seems like a good crack. seems like you can have a pint on him and and talk shit. Elon's you know got I mean? a lockdown belly. If Elon's got a lockdown belly, then I feel <laughs> very good at being 85 kilo as a man that would compete formally under 73 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's no, he's, he's man. Elon's super smart, but like, yeah. you're, gonna, you're not going to go far wrong if you're um, if you're comparing yourself with him. But uh, he's he's one of those people with a few things that he said. But I'm going, man, that's... Nah, but some yeah. things that maybe again, it's this thing as well. If you're was it is it six companies or something between Tesla, and Neuralink, and the other ones as well is. It's a, lo- it's a lot of information, ah. it's a, lo- it's a lot going on. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100%, I, I kind of get things right at the time, and I'm only involved yeah. in two and doing yeah. this, I, and I'm like, I fucking don't know what day is, like, what the fuck, I don't know what's going on, but, nah, he's like, you know what I mean, I'm, I was being harsh, but, uh, yeah. that's was he also divulging into, like, the the diff- the changes in the tech of the airbag and stuff as well, I was talking about, he's talking about a lot of that was just going right over my head, ah, because hey. it's not something I come into contact with every day. I'd have to, <clears> I'd have to re-listen to that, but, yeah. um, one of the things that's actually interesting, this is going completely off topic again, um, was I was listening to a couple of things the last week about Porsche. Porsche have got, Porsche think that they've got a synthetic fuel that has less environmental impact than producing battery-powered cars. So you only have to go and buy, like, and the, the point was, like, if you think about all the cars on the road now, listen, the cars in your street, right, if we have to bid them off within the next 20 years to have electric cars, you're creating a bigger economical impact yeah. than just maintaining what we've got now and not producing it. You know what I mean? So Porsche are saying if this, I think it's Porsche and Siemens are developing a, and it's based on hydrogen. Then not ask me, I'm not a scientist, right? There was um, hydrogen powered cars were almost, almost there. Mm. Oh, Chris has froze. We'll just keep talking while he comes back on. But I, as you say, hydrogen powered cars yeah. coming into it. But like Chris was saying, hey, the amount of cars that are on the street just now, if they are talking, and same as like the UK governments came out and said they don't want any. I think it's just diesel, I believe. But right. within the next like fifteen years or something, well, what's it going to be replaced by? Yeah, vast changes in infrastructure. And again, there's the the whole drive towards hemp. But again, when you look at the petrochemical industry, if it's tied up, um, tied up in the plastics industry as well, you're then stepping on the feet of not only plastics but petrochemical industry, and you look at. Digress again into politics. You, you start to see the lobbying, and it's it's complex. It's above whatever I could probably conjure up right here on the spot. But it's also interesting to see that the hemp thing's coming back up, and like what Chris was saying with the, the potentially synthetic fuel, mm. which is it's good there because did you did you see the clip of the the Tesla in Glasgow when it was snowing there? Uh, yeah. It just slipped. In. Slipped in I, I didn't realise it was a Tesla until my flatmate and that told me, and I had a look, and I was like, "Oh, aye, it's a good advert for Elon." Yeah, that that would happen with any car. Like when a car starts sliding black ice, you know, doing anything. But they're um, 
Uh, there's a lot of issues with them as well. Like it's not just quite uh, what people kind of tend to forget with that shit is like lithium's mined. Aye. You have to mine lithium. It's not Aye. people are talking about it being like clean energy and you're going, you're full of shit. And then the lithium gets mined and then it gets shipped to fucking like I guess China to get processed and then over to Japan to get put into batteries. And it's like this is not fucking environmentally friendly. If you think it is, you're I've got magic beans to sell you. That was um, yeah. something I was wondering with Elon as well, as he obviously he's he's uh, his father owned a ruby mine in Africa. That's mm. where the, the Musk wealth comes from. I'm now wondering well, is there any ties between the ruby mining and then yeah. obviously in the yeah. Congo and stuff, you've got a lot of lithium ion mines. Um, ah. there's an, a bit of an ethical dilemma there that maybe the um, the, the people are, are sort of brushing over but again mm. another complex situation above uh, above my station but nonetheless it's, uh, it's interesting to digress about it uh, definitely there's um it's a fucking this is this is the bad thing about getting it's a good thing and bad thing about getting older is you start paying right. attention to more things and then you you start to read things and your head starts to hurt and you go, Oh man, why don't we just go to the pub and talk about the Rangers and the Celtic like all the other folk my age? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um I, I was, it's interesting, it's an interesting life. I was up in Kenmore because I was obviously I'd heard you speaking to Daniel Strauss and stuff, you were talking about the, the Dalwinny stones in these various mm. um, rural areas of Scotland. I was up Kenmore. Um, for my hours of exercise on Friday and one thing I noticed was the difference between what maybe we would see and again if you're for a small town in Fife a lot of people will speak to you but in the likes of Kenmore and stuff like that is they were actively trying to have a conversation with you mm. um, uh, so I'm ama- amazing people amazing people up that way and that's just something that I'd heard um, I thought I would reiterate again for the Daniel I've, Strauss podcast I've said this before like I, I went um, last year I had never been up I, was in, I think when lockdown must have got eased off a bit I had never been up uh, Arthur seat uh-huh. It was just one night. I went, I'm just going to go up Arthur's seat. Uh-huh. Went up Arthur's seat. Now, I'm used to climbing Monroe's and everybody stops uh-huh. and boilers. Go up Arthur's seat and everybody was just fucking head <laughs> down. And you're like, I'm just looking. Is nobody fucking going to say hello here? Oh, absolutely uh-huh. pig ignorant. Nobody would uh-huh. say hello. And then about two weeks after, uh, I was at uh, the Isle of Sky and I was, I was going up to uh, the store and um, everybody... Like everybody literally was like, How's it going? You're right. I speak to fucking a group of guys from India, like, like near the top, and they're like, oh, You want me to take a picture? And I'm like, oh, Cool, man, where are you from? And they're telling me about fucking India. And you're like, What the fuck's going on? Like, I know. everybody was super nice. And then you speak to Street. locals in the shop and just super cool. And then you go to Edinburgh, and everybody's like, Fuck you, man. You're a fucking one prick. Thing, <laughs> one thing I, I absolutely hate about Edinburgh, and even I've stayed in uh, the Council housing estates of Edinburgh as I'd grown up, but when I, I'll go to the farmers market and stuff, is there's a particular look to an Edinburgh person, and it is uh, hill walking <laughs> boots and like trackies or jeans in the middle of a castle terrace, and uh, they, they didn't say aye, they say yeah. That's one. That's just one little gripe I have. I know I, the people on the west coast of Scotland will probably have a chuckle at that, but it's uh, it's definitely a little gripe that I'm going to carry it in my grave. I think. definitely it's funny how like the cities are so so different eh, compared to as you say even around here where we are um i'm from aaron aaron's the same if you go over there everyone talks everyone lets on indeed very very good cheese that's all i'll eat is (laughs) (laughs) Um, but as you say when you get into cities eh, no matter what city it is people just it's too busy there's too there's too many people eh? becomes too busy too impersonal Everyone's got a million that one sense thing. Of community in it is uh, the relatedness. Mm. It's gone. And that's when I've been. Uh, I don't know if any of you have read *Sapiens* or not, but I've been I've sort of working my way through it. it. I, I'm partly my way through it, 
And uh, I'm forcing myself to do it. Mark Ewan says to me, uh, a man who doesn't read is as good as a man who can't read. And it just resonates. I'm like, the 22-year-old is telling me that, that then I'm going to reiterate it and I'm going I'm to start reading. But I think that was maybe about two years ago. And uh, lo and behold, the last month or so, I've eventually picked up a book or two again. But that talks a lot about that, that for society, so to hold any sort of structure, we need to believe in these uh, common myths. If it's red lights, yeah. if it's laws, two Catholics could meet for the opposite ends of the world and pray together under the common myth or potential myth that is uh, God. Um, and it's that whole that whole 150. Is it a Dunbar's number? I, I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> controversial for the get go and nothing sports science related, but uh, it's the joy. It's that, 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 that Dunbar number 150 is very, yeah. very interesting, though, eh? Because you Thanks. even see it, especially nowadays with social media. You know, I think about like on my Facebook, I've probably got over a thousand in inverted commas friends, you know, a couple of thousand on the Instagram, and then you look back and you go, but how many of them? Have you ever had an interaction with? How many right. of them would you go for a pint with? How many right. of them you could rely on to to back you up if the need arose? Uh, um, would you just be able to stand together if there was a further polarisation? And then again, would there be two sides? Would there be three, four, numerous? Uh, so with these common myths that he's, he's agreed to stop at a red light and not run them over if you'd have that polarisation. 100%. 100%. How did you end up on, uh, in Fife then, Ali, if you were originally for the Aaron? Because my, my old man was in the Navy, so I ended up, uh, he came across, well, 83, um, when him and my mum married, so we ended up down in Resyth for the, the dockyard day, and then Aye. I just grew up here, and, and bizarrely, the opposite you were saying there, obviously moved around a lot for Aye. a naval brat, I spent the whole 18 years in Resyth. Uh, no, but this is doing there a quite nice day at the MOD base and that very nice. Aye, they're all right. They're all right. Eh? And my dad just always ended up in, uh, he was always on small boats. He was on uh, predominantly mine hunters and fishery protection, which were always based out of Resyth. So, as I say, I grew up in Resyth and spent a couple Aye. of years in Edinburgh and then moved back here. I like it, I like it. It's one thing um, I realised, especially during the last year, is how much I actually enjoy Fife, as much as I would love to stay Edinburgh outskirts or something like that too. but again if you're in Dunfermline it's so easy to get into the city and just jump about mm-hmm. and you can retreat here you got peace and quiet like Toon Hall Lock just on my, my doorstep and stuff Is you, you couldn't buy that for the, any likes of money in Edinburgh yeah. Uh, I've, I've worked in um, I worked in London for a while. Aye. Stayed in London for a while and uh, lived in Glasgow and worked in Glasgow Aye. just briefly but I fucking couldn't get out I couldn't get out of London quick Aye. enough I, I don't I don't like London too much. I think the only area in London that I like the look is Westminster, but again it, it sort of rings bells to the whole of Edinburgh or the whole of these Scottish cities that we see. Yeah. Glasgow similar too. Yeah, um, not about that. Like I grew up in a I grew up in a, a tiny, tiny, tiny little village outside Kinross. Um that was like fourteen people fourteen houses in the whole like the whole place. It was tiny. So Whereabouts um, was it? Uh Pow Mill. Oh, is it? Right at oh, the base of right at the base of Notting nice Hill. So. Very, very nice uh, up there as well. It was uh, nice, but it was kind of like kind of what you were saying. Like it was kind of a weird existence because there wasn't uh, like like there wasn't any friends. Uh, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was just like kicking hard, a ball uh, about in the garden uh, yourself. So um, the thing is, you get a lot of autonomy. I feel like, and you get you do have that well, sort of sense of individualism. What's interesting is like just what you were saying, like right at the beginning. Like so, when I, I grew, well, I went to I grew up there, and then I moved to we moved to Carden then at eight, so I was only there for eight years. Aye. But I, I continued to go to Kinross High School, and it was like everybody at Kinross High School was in it. Like at the time, were like I was like Slipknot, 
and corn and limp biscuit and deftones and all this shit. And everybody in Carn then was into like it was like bonkers results. Everybody's into bonkers. <laughs> Scouts house. <laughs> and then I was I was like, man, I, I like I like hip hop. Aye. So like I didn't fit in like anywhere. Like every, I'm like, nah, man. Like I was t- I mean telling people about fucking uh you have you have the dead press. Oh, I, I. Group. I mean, like, they had an album, like, 97, like, Let's Get Free, and I was like, this fucking album's amazing. And everybody's like, fuck that, man, Deftones, woo! Uh, you're not like, right. Oh, man, what the fuck? <laughs> I was, so, like, I grew up, like, everybody down here is, like, fucking Happy Hardcore, <laughs> Ultrasonic and that, and everybody up there was, like, fucking moshers, and I'm like, fucking, <laughs> why did you do what? Listen to hip-hop for me? What the fuck? I was, uh, yeah, that's the one thing I found as well, being a teen was I, like, I tried different, I tried BMX and Blade and Skate, and I hung about the skaters, and then I was at one point, I was tucking my socks on my trackies, it was never quite that wee niche that you would fit into, um, you were always just this sort well, of outlier, that like, factor in the red hair, too. Like at I some know. point, man, I don't know about you, but at some point... <laughs> Like, wasn't it until I was older, but I realised that oh, I didn't have to fucking fit in. No. <laughs> I could just be this weird outlier that does all these kind of different things. Like, I like, I feel like it's a benefit as well. As you do, sort of, you find your feet. For me, it was like, I would even say mid to, mid to late 20s, I started, you yeah. start to realise that the, the whole huge social group thing is, is, it's just, again, it's that common myth. It's a, a bunch of people that could meet up that necessarily don't like each other. Um, and to have that sort of small group of people that you would maybe have met by being less popular or being a little bit unorthodox is it, it, I feel like it pays diligence in your 30s because that's all you've ever known but when yeah. that starts to fall apart as you leave high school maybe uni or what have you is that you, you start to see as um, you, you didn't need this huge group of, of friends to succeed or to strive in life um, especially if you're comfortable in yourself and one, one thing that's interesting as well is so we know for doing this um, so there's people that I know for a fact see every story that I put up about the podcast and I know that they're seeing it because I can see who's looking at it. Never shared it, never liked it, never subscribed to it. But they'll post things about fucking positivity. Joe Rogan. And they'll share Joe Rogan or Joey Diaz. Kind of all shit. Day. And you're like, man, you, you, you're not, you're talking all this shit, but you don't actually live it. And Aye. then you'll speak to fucking like Jack Carr. Like Navy CEO, New York Times bestseller. He's, he's doing a, he's got a, a, a series coming out that Chris Pratt's playing uh-huh. the lead character. The fucking nicest guy in the world. You get a message back and forward to him from time to time. You know, Jason Jason Gardner, Silver Star recipient. Like uh-huh. fucking worked for he worked for Jocko. He's a he's a friend. He's one of my friends now. Uh-huh. He shares stuff that we post. And like, man, this is a guy I've never met. Absolutely, you know, there's, a, there's a, you know, I could name loads of them. Uh-huh. Um, those, yeah. those are two that come to mind. But you go, man, there's there's boys down the road. Probably, probably talking shit yeah. about us saying you're fucking dicks, man. It stings got... a wee bit as well when it is somebody that you have a, a high level rapport with as well, and then you got obviously people from America or other continents and that, and they'll they will share your stuff so that their right. audience sees it. Yeah. Um, but like guys, you got a good rapport where you're like, mm. I was like, oh well, I'm like, and just, especially um... too if he's not that he's are maybe even looking to monetize these things as well, but it could give you a, a whirlwind of opportunities. It could lead to opening the doors of the world just by maybe <laughs> one of them sharing that. We'll see, we'll see. We'll see where that stuff ends up. But that's one yeah. of the reasons that we, we reached out to um, to Sean from uh, yeah. the Fatherless Podcast because yeah. it was kind of like one of those things. Where I, and I've always said this, Shelley. Like, I feel like people in Scotland just didn't help each other. Yeah. Didn't we? Small town mentality. Yeah, I find that everybody a lot around and I'm filming and stuff. Especially when we someday if another continent as some yeah. of the things I'll hear and see, I'll be like, oh, I'm like and bastard. I'm like everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it fucking pisses me off, and it's just like. Right. 
Why would they have to be like rivals? You know what I mean? Like, no, let's fucking help each other, man. Let's, you know what I mean? Let's bounce off each other and see what we can do. Like, see what we can create because it's a thing that we could make for ourselves. That's always pit. The thing, and and the thing that it goes back to for me was it used to fucking annoy me so much was um, whenever. Like when it was at a World Cup or, or rugby, football, whatever it was, it didn't matter. Like European champion, or what was when? when what was it? England when England lost Iceland? Was that the World Cup or the Euros? Uh, I was the World Cup, I think. Like two thousand fifteen. Aye. Aye, and it was like fucking people that I know, like obviously on Facebook, and they're cheering because fucking because England lost. Aye, like, we didn't even Hi fucking to, go. Hi we didn't even follow. We didn't even <laughs> fucking qualify, man. Why, why are we celebrating? England uh, fucking losing. It doesn't make any uh, difference to me. Scotland not going uh, pisses me off. And it's because uh, and this whole through our whole society is the same fucking mentality. It doesn't matter if we didn't win as long as England didn't win. Like, what, uh, what the fuck's that, man? Fuck's that? I want to win. wear any other jersey other than that. I think you know everybody I mean? had a Ronaldinho top in like 2002 or something like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, 100% and a Ronaldo top in 98 aye. and everything. Aye, aye. As you say, it always comes back to ABE, doesn't it? Anyone but aye. England. Aye. No, like, I, two teams I support, like, Scotland and whoever England's playing. It's never fucking helped us. No, it's, sad, it's sad because obviously with the football thing as well, as uh, you could say likewise with the old firm and stuff like that, and to see how how tied it is, it says it's two people cut for the same cloth, isn't it? As no yeah. matter who you're preaching to or praying to, it's it's the same, same, but different now. Ah, That's one of the interesting things we're speaking to, um, <clears throat> like like seals and stuff. Aye. And we talk about being like in Iraq and Afghanistan and stuff, and like they're saying, like obviously there is people who were, well, they're fucking Muslims and they're horrible Aye. bastards skinning Aye. people alive. But the majority of people you are seeing, like they just were people who were going about their daily life. Aye. They weren't interested in any of that shit. They were just, no. they went to the mosque, uh, but they're generally just nice people who, who they would give out chocolate to and they'd love it and they'd help them and f- fill up no. their water canteens and all this kind of shit. But there was that other side of it and you're like, these are the same people, but they're like fucking completely different. Extreme, like, very extreme. Like, what the fuck? Um, it's harder because I think, obviously, the, you could be that hyper-liberal that says everything that the military would be doing in the conflicts in the Middle East is absolutely terrible, but then when you if there's a YouTube channel called Yes Theory, and what they do is actually they'll spend like a week in Afghanistan and stuff with the locals, they'll go stay with the locals, and they have to, the locals are asking them, where are you from? And they say American, and they're like, oh, America, like, we have no issue with Americans or American people. Uh, we're like, we want you to enjoy Afghanistan. If you want, you can come into our house. You need a place to stay for the night. You can come in here. And it's their people that are the ones that are the actual mm. the hot hub of the terrorism, the, the little backlash we see. Here's the repercussions and possibly what democracy being in the Middle East can have, but it's a, it's a very, very small proportion that's driven by the media, whereas the people that are actually there are actually they're the Muslims that are suffering at the hands of people who are ex- extreme um, as well, which is one thing I think that's uh, it's not spoken about enough. Is, is that it's a, it's a subset of people that are forcing extremism on uh, people of their own kind as well. Mm, and again, it ties back to that, um, believing in the, these people, they all believe in that common myth or what they're perceiving as to be the truth, which would be Muhammad and the Quran. But again, it's uh, their own people that are suffering firsthand, but we, we don't get mm. to see none of that or hear any of it um, because it, it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't fit that agenda, the polarising the people Religion. further. Religion is yeah. such a fucking crazy beast. Aye. Aye. <laughs> such Aye. a crazy beast. Um, but 
You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> like anything. Like this, this, this could go with anything. I, I didn't like if you're do if you're going to the church or the mosque or that, whatever, and you're just living your life peacefully and it makes you a better person. Cool. If, if you're going to if you're going to any kind of a religious facility and it and it makes you want to kill people and you're like what that, what the fuck is that you're shows the power um, shows the power as well like what other people's teachings could have upon you as well and I think it's maybe people that are easy easy influenced as well as much as there's been enough memes and that go about about um, the girl who got stuck in Syria and stuff like that as well as some someday or some group of people had enough influence over her that she was willing to leave her mum and dad and then go to this place with a big question mark over it the promise. Uh, Whatever it was, where an eternal greatness in heaven or or what have you, which is it's a shame, huh? Mm. Uh, well, that's half past eight, and we've no fucking spoke about sport. <laughs> <laughs> just that's like we're sitting talking about the Fallas podcast that happened there, and uh, the first time the battery ran out and they had to change the batteries over. Fucking, um, uh, <laughs> there'll be a lot of people listening to this going, "What motherfuckers?" <laughs> Tuned in for physiology and. Uh, Hip explosion for fucking bridging and jujitsu, <laughs> motherfuckers. Talk about bastard Muhammad. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was uh, what was your? Have you always been into sport, man, or is it? Uh, I'd started off playing rugby. That's what I'd heard as well. Uh, when Ali'd been talking about his, um, what was it, thirteen ACL surgery or thirteen knee surgeries 13 as well? Knee I was like, I'd, I'd been uh, originally playing contact rugby for about the age of eight until about fifteen, uh, where I'd been trialled for Fife. Unfortunately, I never took it. I seen that. And uh, the tentativeness in me too shied away for the challenge. My mum was never like, you can you need to go for that. That's a big opportunity. She just thought I was playing rugby, but for then Fife to reach it and uh, me to then knock it back was, uh, in hindsight, I regret it. But when I, I seen how the Scottish Rugby Academy and stuff operated, while well, guys I was um, at uni with, how much stress it was putting on the workload with uni as well as being in the academy. And it's, it's not that the academy or that is ruthless on them. It's just that pro sports is a, it's a full-time job, let alone a degree. Yeah. Um, but I played rugby until about the age of 14 um, for like five Southern and I remember Keith in high school and stuff I thought about going up to Dunfermline for a better team but again it was that, that uh, tentativeness um, and then I learned to drive from deep fried Donna Calzones which I'd brushed over uh, and that previously <laughs> and then became a, a wee bit of pudding before I then um, found the wee boxing club in it, Cam Dean, which was um, a guy called Craig and uh, then later uh, Gordon Brennan, I'm sure you'll know Gordon as well Chris, mm-hmm. um, and that's how my, my love for combat sports had started um, and then fell in love with Jiu Jitsu where Steve Ray was teaching a class at another gym um, in Kirkcaldy and then ended up at uh, obviously one of the top facilities in Scotland uh, underneath Stevie Ray and Danny Henry and such. Um, and now fast forward, I'm now going to be taking a classic life and hopefully I'm going to cross paths with yourselves at John's classes and stuff as well. Yeah, um, what about yourselves? I, Ali, you were rugby, American football and Chris, obviously yeah. I know you're boxing and now looking towards ultras. Well, I was, <clears throat> no, I was, um, I started, like most people in Scotland, I started playing football. Um Played football from was about eight till I was basically eighteen. Uh, I played uh, like the same league as like Scott Brown, uh, Ian Davidson. That's it. Still at the Rover. A few guys, Martin Greekin played for Partick Thistle. A few right. decent players. Eh? Um, I got it to eighteen, just stopped. Well, like a couple of my pals died, and then I basically went on like a fucking three-year bender, four-year bender, just eating and like you're saying, man, got to about one hundred and fucking fifteen kilos. And uh, my pal Danny went, "Come on, man, you need to get in shape. Come down to boxing." What is where you a, when you started boxing? I never started till I was twenty-four. Was it? 
How old are you, too, by the way? Because I heard Alex he had a 17-year-old son, and I was like, what? I've, I've got an 18-year-old son. I can go one uh, better. I've got two of them. Eh? No, I've got uh, two. Oh, you've got 17 and 18 got 17 and 18, eh? So I'm, I'm 43 in June, eh? Oh, yeah. I'm not going to laugh. We were, like, early 30s, some like that. And likewise with Chris, I thought maybe, you know, just under 30, early 30s, but I wasn't yeah. sure. Ali's, uh, Ali looks horrendous in person, so you wouldn't think that person. It's <laughs> uh, a, a cracking filter on the camera. Wi Fi connection. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm 30, I'm 36, I'll be 37 this year. Um, but I, 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 I like, just went to boxing and like, you just kind of stick at it and you go, oh, it's all right. And you start losing a bit of weight and you start feeling a bit better. And then, do you want to spar? You spar. Right, and, let you spar. <laughs> and then a lot of, kind of like a lot of people, like if you've ever been to a boxing gym, a lot of people yeah. will get hit in the mouth and go, fuck this shit. This isn't yeah. for me. But then some people go, huh, I quite like this. And then it's like, I'm actually, you're actually all right. You can keep right. trying. And I used to like, and then um, what happened with, with Jiu Jitsu is like, it's quite funny how everything fell together like at, at the, right. the right time. So, in the space of about a month, what happened was um, uh, Michael Stupart, um, who who Stoopsy, by the way, we Stoopsy are an absolute gentleman. I feel okay. like, sorry for Stoopsy every time I see him. Now, obviously, uh, I don't know him for when CT was had massively affected his life, uh, but uh, so what what an absolute diamond there, guy! Yeah. What happened was his his auntie was the physio that I used to see, and uh, she said to me like one morning, like she, uh, one uh, one morning, she was like, oh, Michael's been diagnosed with like." Uh, it was like a, a form of dementia from boxing or some shit like that. So that happened, and then no long at the back of that, um, Michael Till for Dundee died. <clears throat> he was killed boxing, and then fucking right at the back of that, obviously way less, way less uh, brutal. But I fucking I, I was in I was in uh, the Vic on a Friday night with a broken right. nose, and I'm just sitting there going, "What the fuck am I doing this for?" Right. And what happened was I used to, because you mentioned Fife Southern, I used to lift weights at Fife Southern. Aye. And um, that's where the Dom Brigade started. So Aye. what happened was I was in there one morning. Uh, I was where were you rolling there then beside the boozer? In the pub, I just put mats down. <laughs> so basically, Johnny, I, I was lifting lift weights with Johnny. Aye. And uh, I can't remember, he just wasn't, he wasn't feeling well or some shit. Aye. And John, there was one, only one guy used to train with John. And he went, oh, the boys not turned up. And he went, fuck, you just want to go and do jiu-jitsu this morning? I was like, fuck I. And this no, all happened, like everyone fell into place. And I went, and this is good fun. And then he just went, fuck it, I'm just gonna do this now. And just and then like other shit, I like challenges, so like Aye. fucking I like said that was the thing as well, is when you got like eight stone guys like Connor Robertson, or I wouldn't even give him eight stone. The Connor must have been like top end to seven stone or fifty something <laughs> kilo, and he's just like tying you up. Uh, uh, it's humbling, eh? humbling to see the least him and like Aye. young David and stuff like that. David's good, I've rolled with David, very, very good. But like, it's very difficult to go from being fucking good at something to being fucking day one shit. Aye. Like, just fucking awful. Don't know anything. It's really hard. Strong like, man and everything. Like, just <laughs> like just trying to bench press people off you. Like, this, this doesn't work. You can only do this for five seconds and then your arms go, nah, fuck you. Aye. But uh, <laughs> I, I think that's actually quite an important thing for people to do with, with anything, is go from Aye. being good at something to being shit at something. Just to learn and grow, like as a person, you, you kind of get humbled again. You go, "Fuck, man, I'm I'm really not that impressive. I'm I'm shit." It's um, one thing I find with striking arts as well, in comparison to jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu would almost describe as like a set of stairs where there's massive rises and then plateaus. Same again, yep. all the way up, and even still at, at purple belt and stuff, I'll, I'll feel that. 
But whereas we we striking it as like this one two percent incline where you never ever ever see the progress until almost the finished product's there. Whereas with Jiu Jitsu, I feel like it comes in big increments. Yeah. Um, most definitely, that's one thing. Even still, no matter how much I strike, I can never. I credit myself like I, I do in a, a grappling sense where I'll step off the mat and that'll be me all night as I, I've sealed something that I've maybe been watching or I've actually took on the technique of the night and been able to implement it in my game. Yeah, I don't know why yeah, that we is. said that. Hey, I said that. I, I think it was genuinely before lockdown this one, but there was a point where for about two weeks I felt like I genuinely remember saying to Chris and John and the boys we were on with, I've forgotten how to do jitsu. Like nothing was what I couldn't even it's like do a the basics. Right. Yeah, it was like nothing was working, and then suddenly. You know, two, three weeks after that, you're like, oh, I do remember, and in fact, I can also add this and this. Eh? It's funny how it does that, as you say, big jumps mm. and then plateaus for weeks and months where you're like, man, I'm just getting smashed all the time. And then Everybody's giving you Suddenly something clicks and you got a big jump up and you're like, oh, I'll stick in this now. And then again, you plateau and you're like, fuck, man, what am I doing here? Eh? But I, I think what's doubly interesting though, is just with the three of us chatting there, it's funny how all three of us link back to Five Southern. Because that was my first rugby club back when was it was it? still the Siphon District. Mm. So I go back pre-Fife Southern. Right. And I went along really randomly because we got a flyer in primary seven at school, 1989, showing my age here. Right. But we got a flyer, 1989, and Roy Laidlaw, the old Scotland scrum half that just retired, was coming along and running a free demonstration. And my dad had said, do you fancy giving rugby a go? And I was like, aye, why no? And then I literally played it all the way through, right, right through high school, eh? Played at mm. district levels and Whereabouts stuff. did you play when you were in playing rugby? Predominantly wing. I was mostly was a wing, but right. I literally played everywhere along the back. Right. So I used to play a bit of flank, right. number eight. I played second row because of my height a few times. Right. I was at one point in fifth year, I think I was officially the tallest scrum half in Scotland because right. our two scrum <laughs> halves both went down injured. And I was, they were like, do you fancy giving scrum half a try? And I was like, aye. And I was already right. six foot tall at that point. <laughs> Uh, and playing scrum half at school right. level, eh? so I've, I've never been um, sorry, I've never been much bigger than five eight. But for some reason, Big Rob Ford uh, insisted that I was a, a prop. And right. again, when I was like fourteen or whatever it was, twelve to fourteen, again I would have probably been like five five or something, and never ever carrying too much beef until the Donna Calzone episode. But I think it was just because I was game. It would put me in the scrum, and one thing I loved about it was obviously stomping in the rocks and malls was still legal in rugby then. So mm. when I found that out, and I was like, you didn't get penalised for stomping in rocks and malls, and they're like, nah, became my prerogative that stomping <laughs> was my duty in rocks and malls, and it's like fucking high school versus high school. Um, but I, it's, it's, I feel like rugby's changed a lot, but for the better of the athletes. Mm, Likewise, with the NFL, similar, but whereas with fighting, the, the ethical dilemma is always dementia pugilistica. It's been mm. scientifically documented in papers since like 1920 or something. Oh, at least. But, aye, scary. It's scary how far it goes back. And I see it in a lot of coaches and stuff I've been under and stuff like that as well. As they'll be teaching a skill, try to recall a skill, teaching skill acquisition, and just boom, it's just that, that blankness. And this mm. is guys that have maybe never made it to the UFC or only been at the sort of doorstep. And then there's obviously the guys that have been in the UFC and whatnot as well. You see it as it's, it's hard because yeah. it's such an attractive sport. A hundred percent. Are you uh, aware of the, the the Mike Webster from the NFL? Uh, that, no, started no. The whole, that started the whole CT oh, that thing off. So he played, I know I told Chris this story, but he's, he was a centre for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers uh, for 14 years. So for 14 years, he basically used his, his head as a battering ram because it was back in the old days. Make co- I, I got taught it when I started playing American football in 97. You make contact with your head first, right. then your arms. <laughs> 
that was that was the way it was coached. Eh? So he spent, you know, at 14 years pro, four years college, six years high school, you know what I mean, playing the way through, using his head as a battering ram. And uh, when he retired, he basically lost all his money because he had no mental capacity for keeping a hold of his money. And back then, money wasn't... He played in the 70s through the early 80s, so it wasn't like it was nowadays. And uh, basically, towards the end of his life, he was living homeless in his car, and he had that much brain trauma that the only way he could get to sleep, and he used sleep in inverted commas, was he had a cattle prod, and he used to basically taser himself unconscious. Three or, four, three or four times a night up until the point basically he was found dead in his car of just like and that was the start of the whole thing of CTE coming out and in, uh, in American football eh? but it's just the thought of literally tasering yourself to sleep which also isn't really sleep it's knocking you unconscious eh? I know See, I don't know I if you like, like a REM sleep like you'd with oh. if you'd have been disrupting your sleep patterns or what yeah, with that yeah. as well I feel like I feel like there's a difference between like that and signing up to fucking box, you go. If you're going to listen, if you're going to box, Aye. man, you're going to get punched in the mouth. Aye. Probably going to lose some brain cells. Eh? There's a difference between that and what, like, like me. Like, listen, you're going to, you're going to fucking get, you're going to box. You, you might get hurt. There's a difference between like, that. Yeah, like, you I know, feel, I feel like, you know we're boxing. I, like, I feel with certain things, like you know what you're signing up for. It's like if you go in the military, like somebody's going to shoot you, right? Mm. Just are. But there's that, like, where he's kind of probably being lied to. To that point is outrageous. Like that's yeah. criminal. Like fucking yeah. criminal. Do you know what I mean? There's a difference of it. You know what I mean? It's, um, I think I see Scottish rugby as well. I think I believe they are fighting off about twenty years of cases against them for young kids and upwards for CTE. Uh, I had the, actually the guy that seen me through my dissertation. He was ex SAS. He went for the Marines to the Paras to the SAS, and then his sports then become ultras in the desert and jungle. And he was a uh, Caucasian man for Glasgow so you can only imagine the upbringing to then end up in the SES and stuff as well but what a stoic uh, intriguing character I used to see him in Bannatines uh, local to us as well and honestly I was sitting in the sauna with him and I would be in and out out the cold shower like 20 minute stints and then maybe diminishing each session he was just sitting there barely sweating and it's just it's a different level of savage that these mm. that the SES and stuff is uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, Amazing, amazing character. He'd be an amazing podcast guest, but honestly, I don't think he would get anybody the time of day. <laughs> uh, that's the problem. This is the problem we've had. This is the problem we've had. Like we speak, we've spoke to like I don't even know, like seven or eight American yeah. Special Forces guys. Uh, and we've got another British uh, military guy coming on. We've spoke to Gareth Timmons, but a lot of people have just not even got back to us. Like they just, it's a different culture altogether. They just like I, I know, um, like. I know one of my pals is a weapons technician with the, the RAF and, and they were taught because he was like a high priority target um, when they were in Iraq they were like they went through like rescue training kind of shit and they're like listen if you get if you get captured the SAS will come for you if, if they come for you you stand with your hands by your side and do not fucking move because they will shoot uh, everything that moves they're the elite they're fucking absolute like lunatics mental uh, and it just—it's like they've got a different mentality. They just—they just no speak to you. Aye, you know that's what, I mean? what I found um, with my lecture. So you could obviously imagine the type of places that academia is as well. Um, to then have somebody who was for that line of work. Um, but the fun thing was, is somebody who didn't have a PhD had a master's. I think that's possible minimum requirements when it comes to teaching and stuff in academia. But there was people that had went school, uni, uni, masters, masters, PhD, and then you had somebody who was. Um, 
helping athletes solo the Arctic and stuff like that as well. They got real world experience, but they didn't have this this doctor title. Mm-hmm. Yet the things you were learning of somebody who was deemed uh, less academically qualified was teaching you not only stuff that you'll you'll carry away through your degree, but also into life. Um, and we show you sort of the photos for being a medic and stuff on these extreme environments, um, events and stuff like that. You think if somebody's for fun goes to be a medic and he's dealing with cutting frostbite and that of people's fingers, is what the fuck is going? Aye, aye. This guy knows some shit. It goes back. It goes back to your man, fucking Elon Musk, where he, like, they were talking about uh, university education. He goes, I, I never went to Harvard, but the people that work for me do. Do you know what I mean? So it doesn't Aye. mean fuck. Like, it means nothing. That's one thing I realised. Some of the, some of the, obviously I say this fucking loosely because they're obviously Aye. smart at something. But some of the dumbest people I've met went to university. Aye. Obviously smart at something like Aye. fuck whatever it, it could is. Could be but... academic, but in terms of common sense, okay, what I mean like, is you could drop a blind and wouldn't even be aware of it. Aye, you know what I mean? Like they, 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 they wouldn't understand how to fucking wire a plug. You know, but how the fuck are you? You're a brain surgeon. The Aye. fuck? A nuclear <laughs> power technician <laughs> or something like that. Um, and then you get people that are just handy, like you get this Aye. like some grizzled old SAS man who could make a fucking make a laptop out of a fucking curly whirly and a fucking <laughs> ice cream wrapper. <laughs> do you know what I mean? How the Aye. fuck did you do that? I thought about it. That was a special class. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's uh, always interesting hearing guys uh, sharing tales of like a lot of my mates and that they've been in like the Black Watch or one of my my flam. He was in uh, the Signals, so obviously Signals would go on a- activities with the SES and the SES right. would like actively hunt them, and it was their job to try and get past them and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were basically saying, if you are getting caught off the SES, you are getting your cunt kicked because that was you and your boys <laughs> caught if it was warfare. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, they didn't treat you lightly. I'd, 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 I'd speak to anybody for the SES, but they just, just won't come on. Like, but the um, I don't know. I don't know if you ever listened to the the episode that we did, the episode fifty with Jason Gardner, our pal Jason Is that Gardner. That the guy with the that has a prosthetic. No, no, no. no. J- Jason, uh, he that's the guy who works for Jocko, and uh, he done he done episode fifty war stories, and he was telling right. us war stories, man. It was like holy. I, it, me and Ali, and, and I know because we made co- eye contact at the time, he was talking about fighting in Somalia, like around about the Black Hawk Down thing, <laughs> uh, Black Hawk Down time, and, um, and he was talking and he was like leading to that, Jason's a, f- a fantastic storyteller and he's telling us about fucking shooting and, 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 it, and it, it's like this point where you like, because we've spoke to military people before and you obviously you always go, well they probably kill somebody, right? And nobody actually says but Jason's like, he fucking shot a guy and he fucking like exploded, we are like that fucking website you used to look at when you're in high school, man. But, um, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, love to meet the SS guys, but they just they just won't uh, fucking do it. But yeah. there's a wee bit of confidentiality worry as well because uh, the uh, leak that the guy I'd uh, studied under was special forces, and he was he wasn't overly happy about it. But the, it was a paper that had leaked it, so somebody obviously in some form of circle could have been in academia or maybe somewhere where he was teaching had known and then told the told the paper. So it's then he then becomes a potential target. And if he's at X, Y, or Z academia institute, then your institute is also a potential target and stuff as well. I think that's a, a big factor. Right. So what I gathered from. Uh, yeah, it's massive because I've, I've got, a, aye, totally. Because I've got a friend that still, well, he's just recently left aye. service, and he does a lot of contracting work. And we asked him way back in like the first like five or six episodes when we're aye. still going through people we knew that we kind of get on, aye. and I asked him, and he, and he basically said, "Where would it be?" As in, like, where would it be we, would be published? And I was like, we put it on YouTube, we'll, we'll put it on uh-huh. Spotify, so it'll be out in the wide world Big once platforms. it's on the internet. Aye. It's out on the internet, eh? 
And he was like, I can't do it. He says, because as you're saying there, Dean, it makes him a target because then people kind of know where he is, he says, but it also makes my wife and kid a target. Uh, I think what would be five, five million strong in Scotland? Like, it sounds like a lot of people, but when you ah, look at it in terms yeah. of the United States or what have you, ah, uh, it's very different now. Huh? Much easier to find a, so he says, I'm just no, I'm no willing to do it. Sorry, I was ah, like, do you know what? You've got to respect that. Eh? Ah, um, I, for us, that. we didn't we didn't realise how the magnitude is like, because ah, it's, right. it's almost captivating that there's... Mm. Somewhat as a necessary evil military, like we discussed earlier, but then we we forget when you're dealing with these guys as like it's like the whole Bin Laden thing. Guys have been fired for potentially how he was killed because they'd leaked the the sort of tactics and that. This is this isn't just your standard tactics. Yeah, you know, this is the best. We were we were possibly close to getting somebody on that was in the compound. Uh-huh. I think that was, I don't know if that was ever going to happen, I know, but we, we were close, we got put onto a guy, I think Ali sent an email, I think he said he was interested, and I think it just went cold, and he just stopped replying or something, but the guy that was in the compound, like, oh. I said, I'd love to speak to even off camera, somebody who's like fucking black, like, because obviously there's like level set, like, where there's like black ops, and there's like black, black ops, and then there's like fucking guys who are doing shit that are completely illegal, and you're like, what are you doing? Like, where are, like, I'd, I'd the Geneva Convention, Aye. and stuff like that. It'd be interesting to speak to a guy like that, who is like a real life fucking Jason Bourne or something, do you know Aye. what I mean? Like, because these guys obviously will exist. Aye. Interesting to speak to these folk. I guarantee you, this is fucking Scotland. We produce some amazing special forces guys as well. My flatmate oh. talks a guy that's seen him through exercise and he'd have them uh, over the, the Brecon Beacons and stuff like that. And the guy just be spanking a bottle of malt whiskey, he'd been in, seen and done whatever. Um, and he'd just be tanning a bottle of whiskey with the fucking signals at his back up the up the breaking beacons going. That was a good day um, out for him. It was uh, it was a Scottish guy. Forget his name. His name's the the guy that was sent to to Jack Carr Alley. What was his name? Can the, the oh David Sterling. David Sterling. It was him that I'm pretty sure he's the guy who started like American special forces. Never done. He's a Scottish guy. Um, uh, David Sterling set up the SAS and then. Charlie Beck, Charlie Beckwith, who was US Delta Force, he came across and cross-trained with the SAS back in the mid-60s and spent some time with Sterling just before Sterling retired and then went back across to America and said, this is what we need because this is where the world's going. Aye. Even back then, because it's the one thing that the Brits have always had a slight advantage on is we've always dealt with that, I use the word insurgency as loosely as possible, but if you think about the British military since the 50s, it's always been relatively small-scale conflicts. Aden, Suez, even, you know, Northern Ireland was essentially a guerrilla warfare when there was no defined, you know, there was no red line where you would have, like, the red coats versus the, the other side. It was, <laughs> you don't know who's, you don't know who's this, that, or the other one, eh? Um, and the Americans had no experience of it. And then when they went into, when they were looking to go into, like, Vietnam, Laos, Charlie Beckwith said, we can't fight a war where it's our division's General Patton with the giant flag like, forward, man, cavalry <laughs> charge. That kind of war doesn't exist now. What we need is units of six to 12 men that know what they're doing, and each one of the 12 can pick up each other's one's role in a worst-case scenario. Yes, we'll have, we'll have medic, we'll have the radio operator, but they all need to know a little bit of each other, and they'll go in very, very quietly with weapons that the opposition use and they'll sneak out very, very quietly and do what needs done. And that's where it all came from, eh? I love that sneaky shit. 
the Gurkhas, that's another one there. They, are absolutely, they can Aye. tell you about your shoelaces and stuff. They fascinate Aye. me. I'd seen a couple in Dunfermline. They must have been going for the military barracks down at Elgin. And they were heading up towards Everest. As for, <laughs> since then, it's been the only Indian, I'll swear by it. If I see two Gurkhas <laughs> going to a Nepalese Indian restaurant, I'm like, nearly <laughs> good scran. Uh, uh, fucking savages, man. Absolutely. Uh, that's one of the things that always, like, fucking going off topic again is when you know people, people are talking about these fucking amazing athletes that are going up and down the Everest like actual Everest no the Indian uh, and, and like fucking record time you're like man these fucking Sherpas are going up like four times a week what are you talking about they mask frostbite he's, on he's, their nose these guys are savages do you know what I mean them like, and the Dagestanis would make excellent uh, ultra marathoners see who can uh, outrun who uh, absolutely uh, that's another Absolutely. subset of people that is fascinating as well as these Dagestanis. That's one I was wanting to ask you as well is in terms of either fighters or grapplers because you mentioned the super fighting uh, Phil Daru. It's wondering obviously with your kind of styles who you are hot on right now in the grappling scene or the fight scene. Grappling. Um, so first thing is because I've got so many interests it's very difficult to pay attention to absolutely <laughs> everything that's going on. Um I, I, I like I, I'm a I'm a big I'm a big I know it's, it's pretty easy but I'm a big Craig Jones fan I just like how fucking unorthodox he is it's um, Aussie in him huh? ah he's a bit a bit crazy uh, you know he, he, he rolled with, with Dan our, our uh, Professor Dan and Dan just like he does everything everything that's wrong really Aye. well and it's just really unorthodox the way he does things he yeah, enters uh, things left handed as well that's one thing I feel like I'm, a, I'm a quite a good athlete and in terms of my game I would never say I'm fantastic one of these very lucid loose grapplers I'm really like a clumsy bastard but because I'm left handed you're, you're pa- everything's for me is coming this way whereas when you right. see with right handed guys when they want to pass it's, it's the true but opposite for what I see whereas Craig Jones some of he seems to be setting things up left handed which I, uh, I think that's going to be a factor in it as well. He does a lot. Again, of that he's, he's really good. Um, but it's it's <clears throat> I didn't have time because, like, like I say, when you, when you're trying to pay attention to still pay attention to boxing, pay attention to MMA, to to, to uh, two businesses, doing a podcast, try to train for a fucking uh, an iron distance triathlon. Aye. I like triathlon. I like lifting. I like power. I like Aye. strongest man. I like but like. When you like when you and I, I like to watch Formula One, I like motorsports. Right. So when you like all these things, it's very difficult Spoiled. to go. Oh man, there's uh, this new guy coming up, man. He's from fucking. Uh, he's from Dublin, uh, and uh, he's fuck. Yeah, I, I don't know who he is, man. I, I can't pay I'm attention. I'm still to Marcelo that Garcia, folks. Like, who's your favourite grappler? I'm like Marcelo Garcia. Marcelo just like, does it all well, eh? Aye, and he's just tiny, no S and C, no nothing. Just, just this yeah. happy wee Brazilian guy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Aye, like I, would, I would have said similar to Chris I like Craig Jones but also like, again talking Aussies Lachlan Giles Aye, I like a lot of Giles' stuff eh, that, that does that and a little bit of um, I don't know how to pronounce his surname but Adam Virginsky uh-huh. the Polish seen guy he does Another a lot guy. of like Poland's you know, a hotbed for, for combat sports right now Aye. yeah it seems mm-hmm. to be it seems to be coming out but he's got a, a really interesting kind of style where he plays a lot of kind of butterfly and half butterfly which we Aye. obviously when we're training again we'll start focusing Aye. on Enjoying it, it. We'll Aye, definitely um, I, so I like uh, a lot of the eastern block guys as well um, likewise very cliche to say Khabib but again it's one of the guys where I've almost anytime I would go to computer stuff is I'd just start and run my way through his UFC fights to see what <laughs> grappling tips and stuff I could pick off likewise you're seeing Islam Makachev now he's just, picked, he's just picked up where he's left off and you're just seeing these sequences and these patterns mm. where you're like 
it's nothing pretty, it's nothing glamorous, but, but it's somebody will come along, somebody will come along like they always do, and they'll figure out what they're Aye. doing. And at some point, one of these guys will get fucking Aye. absolutely molly whopped or something, and you'll go, Oh, that shit doesn't work anyway. That's what's nice about MMA. Somebody will figure it out. Um, Eddie Bravo, whether, the resurgence. Ah, you know what <laughs> I mean? Whether it's him or whether it's one of Danaher's guys, like Gary Toren guy who comes in and figures out like something that they're doing, a like Nick, something. Even like a Nick Ryan's guy as Aye. well. These guys yeah. are going to be paying attention to that stuff. We'll, we'll figure it out, and, and, and it's, it's amazing. But um, yeah. well, I like the something that I've been fucking about with. Uh, no, I haven't been fucking about with because that would be illegal. But it's the 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 the, the Khabib like fucking trapping the legs. has figured Aye. out how to trap the legs to move up. I've kind of been uh, I've been thinking about doing that. I've never done it. Um, I've, been think- I've been thinking about that, like how to how to kind of get the legs and pass um, into like mount or something. Very um, good for shutting down your your leg heavy guys as well. I find mm-hmm. with that is just sit, sitting away from the legs and almost pinching them like Khabib uh, in that you'll see. And it's funny you see them use it. You see them use it, and then you just see through gyms throughout Scotland when the grappling or what have you's on, and likewise in UFC fights, Bellator fights, is you just see these guys just take that. Next to the game week, if a fight shows on or what have you, they just <clears throat> instantly implement it. See, generally, what I, what I um, I do this for everything. Uh, maybe it's just me, but I, I I did this with my box. So like, people now I still know people who who fight MMA and box and do jiu-jitsu and, and they'll go and like try and find the guy they're fighting and watch his videos and. I'd never give a no. fuck about any of that stuff. I'll like go, your listen. bracket or... I'd made that mistake um, boxing before as well and it would bother me because I'd never fought before. So when I'm watching somebody I know has fought, it's like, oh, he's I, already won up. But it's I, far, no, the truth. Just, what, what the most important thing is, is just concentrate on your own game. Fuck what everybody else is doing. Cover the basics. Make sure you've got the basics right. Make sure you've got a place where you can go where you're safe. Whether that's boxing and you could tie something up and then think about what you're doing, get back behind the jab. Whether it's jiu-jitsu and you can, you know, recover to half guard or something and be, I'm safe here than now. Let me think about it. Whatever it is, like concentrate on your own your own game, your basics, and have to like don't worry about what everybody else is doing. And I've never done that where. Uh, like you know, you always see guys where like fucking Conor McGregor's done something in UFC, and everybody's Gosh. like, okay, Conor McGregor, and everybody's practicing that that <laughs> thing. Everybody's fucking doing that thing in the gym, and you're like, man, I, I, what we working on this week, man? We're, we're working on fucking taking the back this week. That's what Aye. I'm working on. Fuck all Aye. that shit. Do you know what I mean? Aye. Like, we get far too caught up in these, the cool these things, man. Aye, Aye, just fucking concentrate on your own shit, Aye. man. Like, what, what, like you distract yourself a lot for what your your genetic traits and stuff are as well. Nice. Like obviously you get some nice. people that are maybe more so power based, whereas some people are better suited under time under tension. And then like you get guys that are just phenomenal gas tanks. And they just never there's no chill, just nice slow down. Aye. 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 That's um somebody was telling us something about this just recently, Ali, and I can't remember what exactly they're saying about fucking about how to like kind of do your own thing. some somebody said something really cool and I cannot fucking remember what it was. So this is uh, a pointless tangent I'm going on, but okay. um, <laughs> I do a lot. I do a lot of that daily. But um, <laughs> I like folk get fucking obsessed with and life, man. Shit that just doesn't doesn't matter. Like fuck, man. You know, like put, it's almost like the pop culture. If we were referencing uh, MMA, is like the low calf kick. Is what, I mean, like, don't get me wrong, it's a hella effective. Mm-hmm. But it's, like you're saying, somebody's going to find the kryptonite to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're opening for it. One of the uh, things I've I've said so many times now in the podcast, and one of the things that drives me fucking insane is people doing these choreographed fucking boxing pad workouts. And it's a coach doing most of the work. You can make something look amazing. Like and and 
like I've, I've fucking said this to people about sparring before. Where you're sparring some fucking young guy who's meant to be up and coming and great, and it's like they're telling you how fucking fast he is. He's very young and fresh. He's just not whatever it is, man. And you're like, cool, man. Well, I'm going to be on his fucking chest. Uh, <laughs> and we're going to see what's what. I'm not going to fuck about your fancy shit. I'm going to be on your chest. I'm going to fucking bang you in the ribs, and then we're, I'm going to fucking elbow you in the fucking uh, in the arm. Do you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> It's one thing you accumulate as well as you, you do spend a bit more time to get in the spar and stuff. Huh? Like, fuck, you know what I mean? Like, uh, people get obsessed with like this coolest. And like, Ali was saying something the other day about um, uh, not the gym, but uh, he was talking about he had been watching something like a Danny Hare Kippen escape uh, and it, like an entry to legs or some shit like that. And, and one of the things I was saying was like, it's, it's like with jiu-jitsu man, if somebody does something, and you go, this feels different, and I don't fucking know if I like it. Bail out. Aye. Fucking bail out. Oh, you fuck can always man. Let's, let's fucking Aye. let's just staff it. I mean, just fucking just just roll over a shoulder and I just like Aye. literally sand yeah. back, sit back, scoot butt scoot back and just go, nah, fuck this man, I didn't like it. And start his scratch again. Like you Aye. just do that. Like just people reset. get Aye, just it's a big thing is um stand up sparring as well as the ability to reset. So if you, you're drifting in towards the power side or what have you and that and it's something you you you'll only gain for experience as well, I suppose. Um, I try and say it to young guys because I'm a I think we've all been that young stubborn guy who doesn't know how to tap the triangles and stuff because yeah. it's a blood joke. You've got a good resistance in there. If you've had a Sally. shot of beet, if you've had a shot of beetroot juice as well, you get you're guaranteed like an extra six to nine seconds before you start hearing ringing. But I just it's, I try and reiterate to the young guys. It. Yeah, it's like you, you only have one neck. There's a couple. There's a couple. Of, there's a couple of times where I, <laughs> Ali's thing is triangles, and I'm not good at triangles, so. All I want to do sometimes is triangle alley. And there's been times where the fucking the horns of Valhalla's been fucking oh, been blown out and the, he's been he's been almost crossing the rainbow bridge. He will he will not uh, fucking tap. Only because some <laughs> the, other, the other thing is as well is I know I went out <clears throat> man, this was about two years ago. I had gone to watch, this is how mad it was. I'd gone along to watch one of the early morning classes when I was injured. So I got up at six o'clock in the morning to go to the gym to watch the boys train. Eh? And uh, one of the guys had to leave early because he was working. So he basically did the warm up in the first wee bit of the drills and then disappeared. So uh, our, our other pal, Dean, was, uh, Dean Coates, was kind of left with no partner for a triangle drill. And I was like, ah, Dean, do you want to stick it on me? And he went, are you sure? I thought you were injured. I was like, yeah, but all I'm doing is kneeling and leaning into your triangle. It was a, basically I'd pop my groin. Eh? I was like, I'll be fine. And I remember Dean putting it on and I went, nah, nah, you've not quite got it right. Go a little bit more round. And I think it was a combination of I hadn't warmed up. I was cold. I had just gone into it. The next thing I remember is John holding me going, you're okay. You're okay. And I was like, the fuck are you holding me for you weirdo You're vibrating. and in fairness it was only Ramsey because deep because I, I have a bit of a reputation for winding people up at times I'd gone to the point where I was basically snoring because I had gone that far in so my body was trying to get air in so I was kind of going <laughs> and Dean thought I was pissing about so I was squeezing it tighter and it was <laughs> Take that, Aye. and then Ramsey rolled over from his drill and went and my legs were spasm by this Aye. point eh? he was like Dean, Dean, Ali's out, Ali's out cold. And Dean was like, and Dean had never put anyone unconscious before. And you know how if you go unconscious, your eyes open first and they're completely gone. gone, Dean genuinely thought it was, Dean was nearly crying. Dean was like, oh oh my God. And I was like, I don't even, I woke up like, what what happened? Oh, I went out, didn't I? Shit, I went out. Okay. 
But Dean was like, oh, 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 I'm so sorry. I'm like, honestly, mate, it's fine. So after that, I'm like, fuck, I'll go over that rainbow bridge. I don't care. <laughs> so it's, it's something very calm and tranquil about it. And as you're coming back to it, it happened again. A guy I'd been drilling with again, went out with the gee chokes and stuff. And when he came to, he was asking me something about his garden or something. I was like, <laughs> Are you alright? I was like, you can't, he was going to keep drilling. I was like, you can't keep drilling. And really, you're asking it's, me it's something about your garden in the middle it's of the gym. I just, I, just, I just remember John going, hold me, going, you're alright, you're alright. I'm like, I know, I'm getting the fuck off, mate. What are you on about? Like, oh, no, 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 I went to sleep. You went to sleep. Uh, it's uh, a fucking great equaliser, man. Folk going to sleep. I, again, man, it's always fucking silly white belts where they just. Bradley Ego. Hampton got me a cracker first time ever I got put out as well and that's how I came to him. Brad's like around me, he's like, sorry bud, sorry bud, sorry bud and I'm like, you on a bit? Two minutes later I was good to go again and Connor Roberts yeah. and I'm like, no, no, you're done for the night. I'm like, what? Know, um, I've got a pal, I've got a pal who lives just in the road for me and uh, it's actually my pal Danny who was a good boxer, he was my coach, it was his, his brother. He got cracked, he got dropped in the first round of a fight um, I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, I think it might have been. I can't remember what the guy's name was. He dropped him anyway, and he went back. He went back to his corner. And he was fucking. He was asking for. He was a bricky, and he was asking for a batch of compo. Batch <laughs> <laughs> of compo. Uh, fucking, he's a batch. Uh, Craig was like Craig Wright. was in the corner. Though. What the fuck are you talking about? Uh, I need a batch of compo, man. He's like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> fucking. Probably the worst thing to do. You fucking slapped him. And he's like, he's like, what the fuck's going on? He just looked a bit going. The fuck. <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? Um, yeah. Yeah. My, it happens, man. People just uh, especially in, like got... when you get the standing eight count as well as it's almost uh, like the windows left half o- half open. Uh, uh, I got uh, the only time I got dro- the only time I got dropped was uh, I got boxing was terrible for this. So fuck it, I got absolutely humped. They, they, they told me um, couldn't they get anybody to fight towards the end at ninety one kilos, and they told me they had a guy who was ninety five. Um, so cool. So I weighed in ninety two. And instantly I went out, man, threw a jab, landed, and never moved. And I went off. Oh, <laughs> That's a funny 95. And then I, I bought a box, all right. I got caught. I got squared up. It was a tiny wee ring, and the, the guy was like 6'4". And uh, I got squared up on the ropes, and uh, I got fucking cracked by my right hand, dropped. Remember, I just kind of remember looking at my pal, and he's going, he's going, like, he's going, fucking stay down. And he, he told me it was eight, and he told me to get up, and I'm like, got up. And obviously, you go, I'm fine. Nothing wrong with me. Right. I'll shake and this one off. I, got, I, got, I ended up getting stopped fucking about a, a minute after that because I, right. I didn't really care what happened. But everybody's going to me, um, everybody was going to me like, what did you stop for? You looked fine. I'm like, I had fucking no idea what was going on. Like, I didn't care what was going on. All I knew was hold. So I just kept holding. It turned out the guy was 105 kilos and my own club lied to me because I'd sold loads of tickets and I was giving away like fucking 13 kilos and uh, I got dropped by. Like, people were saying, like, you didn't realise how I wait this oh. like that. It's crazy. It's, I knew it, it like, right. within the first five seconds because I landed up, whoop, quick jab, right. and it was like zero effect. And I went, oh, right. fuck, man. <laughs> I boxed it. How many times I got fucking light in boxing? It was crazy. So I boxed, um, I think my seventh fight, I boxed uh, Ross Henderson uh, for, for Glasgow. Big Ross Henderson, six, six and a half. He went, he had just, his, his previous fight had been in Delhi, 2010. And then I got lighted. Like, I'm oh, honestly, he's not that good. Uh, cool, man. So I was, I'll fight him. I've only got fucking, eight home fights. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'll, go, I'll fight him. So I fucking, it was at the Scottish, and they were like, just fight him. I'm all right. Cause, and I was like, cool. And uh, <laughs> I fucking fought him. And I got stopped in that fight as well. Basically because the referee went, this is ridiculous. Like, what uh, the fuck are you doing here? Boxing's <laughs> quite bad for that. I've heard, honestly, for the years I've heard Absolutely so many brutal. horror stories. I feel like... Oh. 
where boxing is or was, I like to hope that's happening less in boxing, but again, we'll probably never know unless you're actually involved in it. But MMA, lo- local MMA is going that way as well, where there's no, there's no sort of overseer when that yeah. comes to like performance enhancers, getting matched gyms equally. You're still seeing guys show up as independent fighters. And then he's rocking up in his bird's corner and him or his gran or something, and you're like, oh, here we go. I've seen the odd independent fighter do all right, but I don't think I've actually ever seen one win, which is where it becomes dangerous. Can it makes for a good freak show? But one thing that was one thing that was really bad in boxing for a wee while was um, uh, there was a lot of people entering the novices at boxing, uh-huh. uh, like under under six fights, I think it was. Uh-huh. And you got especially a lot of Eastern Europeans who were saying they had never boxed before. Phenomenal Eastern block fighters. Before what they were forgetting to tell people was they had fifty fucking MMA Aye. fights, and they're coming <laughs> up and leathering fucking people. Aye. And then it got to the point where, listen, if we catch you doing this, you will be banned for life. Like, this Eastern fucking... block folk are tough as old boots Aye. today. I've seen, tough, like... I've seen a couple of guys at um, Naga, at Naga Europe, and that's the damn two thousand nineteen. And um, so I competed at heavyweight, which was right. under 99. And I've seen a couple of guys like uh, ultra heavy. And then there's another way above that. And they all had them like fucking Polsky fucking tracksuits. Pitbull. And it's, you're looking at the size of these guys. And they're all right. like, it's all the, you, you shouldn't say this shit, but they Just look the Polish. They look right. Polish, right? It's a, very, it's a distinctive mass, look. Though. Massive right. skinheads. Right. And they've got all the fucking Polsky fucking blue eyes. On. And they just, you look at them, you're like, this motherfucker Aye. is six foot eight and 150 kilos. Thick like, hands, what the fuck? Thick fingers. We, we are not the same fucking thing. Uh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely that, enormous. I see my um, stepdad, um, his, so his dad was like, a, I think his dad was half Polish or something, but they're very much Scottish and they don't, they're not actually too keen on the Polish references, but I mean, Polish surname, Polish build, like, they got the piercing blue eyes, and honestly, the size of the hands and the wrists and that is just, like, we could joke, joke and say, ah, they're not no Polish or Scottish, but I wish I had a build like that at 5'8". Right, man. <laughs> Definitely. Just, I, know, um, I don't know what it is. Talking about, um, just just because I mentioned Ross Henderson, I remember, remember speaking to his coach, Frank Delaney. Frank's uh, one of the old guys in boxing. I think he's maybe retired now, but fucking great old guy. I remember speaking to him about Ross because we got on great. I said, how's Ross getting on? He said, coming on great. He's been away sparring and that. And now Ross was six, six and a half. And at his prime, at like Glasgow 2014, he was about 112 kilos with pretty, oh God, a, a, a reasonable six pack. And I mean, Ross... Uh, uh, Frank tell me like he goes it's Kenny's problem he's not big enough I'm like what he's like he's just not big enough man physically he's physically not big enough to compete with these Eastern Europeans he's got like 6 foot 10 fucking uh, Kazakhs who are 140 kilos all these big countries Kazakhstan Kazakhstan and that they're just producing absolute oh, demons all the stars Chris Sherrington was another person who said that like uh, he's a gold medalist at Glasgow judo and he was the same, like a massive human being, like 115 kilos and like 6'5", I think he was. And he was the same, like just when he was at Olympic level, just wasn't he big enough? Aye. <laughs> like, I feel what? like um, that might hold Tom Aspinall back a wee bit in the UFC too, is the fact that he's a big lad, he's a he's a big boy, but he's a, not a great athlete. But as you look at your John Jones, as your Francis, and the likes uh, at the higher weight categories is... These guys are legit athletes and, and yeah. legit fighters. Uh. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing about MMA, which is quite interesting. Whereas, mm-hmm. uh, like, there's a lot of people in, I think there's a lot of people going to that who are, like, 
outstanding athletes without being aye. like OSP. Aye, like aye. guys who are phenomenal athletes without necessarily being amazing fighters. Because you get like um like like Khabib Khabib's a fighter. Like aye. he's a yeah, fighter. Yeah. But, but like more so in boxing, but there's guys who are just really good fighters. Aye. But in, in MMA there seems to be more people who are outstanding athletes. Good athletes who, a bit of heart. Mm-hmm. Aye, like you just think to yourself, man, if if, if you if you had tried baseball or Aye. fucking any if you've been play hockey, you'd have been good at it. You're just Aye. like outstanding athletes Aye. rather than outrageous fighters, you know what I mean? Um, Some people are you cross paths with and it's almost like they could take their hand to anything. They're that uh, they're that good at, at certain things. I fucking hate, fucking hate these people. I feel I'm like not... that with Brad, although he is he's a phenomenal fighter, but hates Aye. the buzz of competing is just that but like my remember... flatmate's got little T-Rex arms uh, and he's impossible to armbar and they told me that about four or five months ago fortunately we stay together so we can say we were saying uh, <laughs> and, um, but he was like I, I never get armbarred except for Bradley Bradley armbarred me about six times and then got bored of uh, tapping me in one round and just stopped <laughs> phenomenal one that he's, he's uh, got the skills for it but it's the, the athleticness for somebody that's a, a wee lad full of is it's, it's uh, something I remember getting um, I remember getting annoyed from way back in the day <laughs> Because he was doing, he was wanting to do MMA, and I'm like, man, honestly, you, you could be fucking right. so good at boxing, man. Stick to boxing, and he was like, nah, what do MMA? And he kept, he kept coming down to, to to train his boxing, but I was getting annoyed at the time. But now it's like, fuck, man, he done the right thing, like. But um, I, I, wish, I honestly wish he liked to compete for my sake and the world's sake to just see and what 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 was the potential there. But again, it's just one of the things. It wasn't what meant to be. It wasn't his destiny. What is surely be now? Yeah, he'd be coming up for thirty. Is he? Fuck man, it's because yeah. like I say, I, I used to take him running when he was like fourteen. So I still think him. He's, I'm like, he must 20, be. What's he, he about seventeen now? But you know uh, what I mean. He's like a man. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's a phenomenal. He, he was a great, great. But he could have been an outrageous boxer. Just, uh, um, just, just, just one of the guys. Hey, we were doing like box jumps and that ages ago. So what standard thing when you had no S and C knowledge was to just see how high you could jump because mm. that was a box jump. And honestly, he would be outperforming us by like a foot. We'd be hitting the box and falling over it, and he would just be up on the box, up on the box. So I was like, all right, uh, this was my S&C session. You've asked if you can join in, and here you are jumping like a foot taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> where, did, where, did you, uh, where did that come from then, Dean, to getting involved in training the fighters? I think it was uh, the thing I'd originally done was just like, I could, once I'd had a, pretty shitty weight cut and stuff before um, it was a bit of an eye opener as to there was a sort of methodology to it it wasn't as easy as just sort of having hot baths three days out for a fight and whatnot and shocking your body into making a weight to then underperform to then um, starting jiu-jitsu and it was see when you start to get hurt in jiu-jitsu which is inevitable after like a third or fourth class um, I was then reading do you remember Train Hard Fight Easy it was associated with Fighters Only magazine yeah, yeah, yeah. Our then, friend uh, Barry Gibson. Barry Gibson I, used to be. Yeah, yeah, grapple fitter. He's very well respected yeah. in the UK SNC community, probably even maybe even worldwide. Uh. Ah. He's a bit mm. of a pioneer in his own right. Yep. Um, it was obviously he would have articles in it and stuff like that. I followed him on Insta. And then I was like, right, in this sort of mundane roofing job where I would listen to the almighty Joe Rogan podcast for the best part of six hours and maybe Joey Diaz for two hours a day. Um, and I wouldn't speak to the guys I was working with. I would just be sitting with these headphones and I didn't like the job. wasn't too keen on the guys I was working with, apart from a select few. So I took the leap to go and do a, a life sciences course, which was like um, chemistry, biology, physics, maths at a higher and advanced, higher level. Okay. Because mm. 
left school, what my mum's like, you'll get a trade, get a trade, get a trade. Ken says, very much the, the working class thing is a trade. You can go anywhere in the world and you'll always have work. So went done the swap access course, then went on to Edinburgh Napier University. Um, and I didn't actually start working with guys until about tail end of third year. I'd had guy, a lot of guys reach out to me and that, but I always just worked on myself, used myself as a bit of a guinea pig. Um, and as I would learn going through that course, or there would be things that I'd sort of thought and theorised myself and it would then sort of, they would be reiterated to me during the course as well. Things that I'd learnt, say, for fighters only, train hard, fight easy and um, reading books and whatnot. Yeah. So when I started to take on clients, I would uh, start initially sort of sponsoring guys, which was like Mark Ewan, Keir Harvey, Luke mm-hmm. Shanks, who then went on to win the Cage Warriors world title and stuff. They were the first guys I worked with before actually <laughs> earning an income off it, um, as well as obviously making weight several times myself over those years. But it was, a, it was an eye-opener working with the likes of Mark Ewan being, his genetics are predominantly West African, his, his dad's Nigerian, his mum's Scottish. And then you would work with somebody like Keir Harvey, who is predominantly white, Caucasian, British. And then Luke Shanks, same again. Um, and then obviously it just it kept spiralling into guys like Tommy Philbin. I then looked to sponsor Tommy Philbin, who's 13 and 0 pro boxer and stuff. I know Tommy, um, yeah. I, I, brilliant guy. i seen Tommy this week, lovely actually. Guy. Yeah, 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 love the guy. Him and stuff like that, yeah. um, and again, another one I feel like maybe head trauma's got a lot to answer for in Tommy's journey and stuff as well. I feel like um, I'll come, I'll come back to this. But I know, on you go, on you go. No, I was just Tommy's one of those guys where um, I would mean, mean we kind of miss each other in terms of weights and and just timing. But I would have been a brought me and him would have been a fucking tremendous amateur fight. But, um, Tough as old boots, are, Tommy. He's got a big. Aye, I've got a big head, and I know I take a pretty good dig. He's uh, uh, aye, he's, he's one of them, man. Where he probably, probably, um, he probably turned pro too late. His, his best days were probably an amateur, but um, by I, I know he struggles a bit with, with some aye. mental health stuff and that. Aye. But fucking lovely guy. Wonder, you, you got to wonder if there is. Yeah, you do. Like I say, you do. A lot of amateur, a lot of amateur fights. A, a really good amateur. Fucking what lovely. would the turnaround like, be on an amateur fight? Could it be like week to week or a couple of weeks between them? Or when I first started, you could fight twice a weekend. Aye. So you could fight Saturday, Sunday at a Scottish. Now Aye. they didn't allow that anymore. Um, but I, uh, you'd be able to fight. You'd be able to fight Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday the following weekend if required, uh, which is which is probably crazy. Um, but I think it's was, got a lot to answer for as well, and obviously definitely, man, the late definitely. great corner law as well as maybe a potential another one as well. And there's, there's a lot of other things that factor into this as Again, well. But I think I'd, it'd, I'd, be, it'd be rude new, to bypass these things. Aye, uh, man. Like I know a new corner pretty well. As, um, yeah. I used to take him through Scotland training. Um, yeah. I, I don't. I, 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 that's man. I, I don't know what. I don't know what they do in terms of like. Did they look into that stuff or yeah. or what? I don't know because it's, you know what I mean. It's, it's one of those things where, like you say, like we kind of tend to just bypass it. Aye. same be. with sports medicine like we, we're, we frown so much upon PEDs even to the level of the recreational exerciser who may or may not want to do them but societal pressures, fearing needles or whatever may then abstain them for it but I know some of the, the knocks I've had in the gym, not even striking related, grappling related and then throwing any of the, the silly things I've done as a youth alcohol related as well there was a time I got that bad a concussion when I was sparring through, when I was training beside Stevie Ray and stuff like that as well, and you were getting frequent rounds with pros where you were at a, a very low-level amateur level with OK boxing, nothing fantastic. Um, as you, Some of the things I was getting after that concussion for the best part of 18 months was it was the, that flinch was still there. 
Um, and mm. the, the the flinch then dissipated that, uh, and I believe a lot of it was down to like healing peptides because I uh, I damaged my knee and was looking not to get surgery. Healing peptides are shown in studies to help um, bicep femoris tendons reattach to the mm. bony landmark and stuff like that. But I feel like it was the healing peptides that gave me a neurological balance again because ever since then the 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 shots I've been able to take are exactly like what I would say it was like when you'd first started to control that flinch when you'd first started sparring. Hmm. So you're, it's like the whole TRT thing. It was they abused the absolute arse of it, but could maybe the PI formulate something where you're using less aggressive hormones that then slap on a lot of anabolic properties and loads of lean mass? Hmm. As I would like to see that for the UFC and time to come. Obviously, they've looked after the likes of Forrest Griffin and stuff um, with it's the uh, PI and the job. Definitely yeah. interesting. Like we, we've said this before. Like it, like at the gym. Like forgets to the point where. Uh, I can't be arse training. You don't quite have the testosterone's getting low, and, you, and and you're getting hurt a little bit more. You go, why wouldn't you take fucking testosterone? Aye. Like, why aye. wouldn't you? Unless you're it's a crazy. Prismar Poharas in the gym where you're blatantly injuring people, aye. Aye, 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 aye. anything aye. that could benefit you for health longevity. Aye. But I could be. You're 45 years old, man, and you're and you're struggling. I shouldn't say that because Ali's close to that. But you know, if you're if you're 53 years old, that's fucking close to John as well. But you know, I mean, whatever age you're getting to, and you're starting to struggle, like. Like, why wouldn't you take someone to help yourself? I don't. It's I don't big, agree. With, I, conversation I don't agree with, uh, Like, I, I mean, if in competition, um, that becomes a different conversation. But I think Aye. just generally for training, man, like, why, why wouldn't you? Aye. Especially when you're punching somebody to the brain. Aye. If you can increase that rate of force production, which is ultimately mm. an effect the exogenous hormones, certain ones, yeah. as it's, that's that one's a wee bit of a question where we need to be like, right. Is that's not right. I've seen a couple of people without naming names and an amateur boxing where I've seen performances before, like within like three months period, you saw where you just look at them and you go, that's not the uh, same human being. Like someone's, someone's changed here. Like, uh, and I, I don't know if people were paying attention to it, but I noticed it. Uh, somebody who went from being not you that feel aggressive. It. You can feel it in some day. You can feel it. There's people that are just ridiculously strong. And then there's people where you feel like the grip or the hold or the, the shots they can put on you and you're like, that's different for somebody who's five foot eight and eighty kilos like me. I'm like, that's a different kind of force. Somebody's changed, somebody's changed. Like, I've seen people, I've seen it with my own eyes, and I was like, that's Aye. something's happened here. This isn't the same Aye. thing. Like, do you know what I mean? So um I I've no problem with people taking fucking steroids for, for general training. But um it's, it's rife as it's, it's, it's rife as well. It's a lot more rife than what I think a lot of gyms would let on and I think uh, a lot of even high-profile coaches and stuff turn a blind eye to it and stuff as well. But yeah, they also yeah. are very active on social media and stating very different things. And having trained in several environments over the last uh, 12 years or so, being involved in contact sports, is I've seen, I've seen near enough everything happen for guys getting it put on in the gyms, whether that be a visitor or somebody who's pissed off the coach or whatnot, to, to ultimately things like PEDs and stuff like that as well. And, it's like that whole thing where we, what we were speaking about earlier is can that whole pop culture lifestyle, what you're portraying on this social media should relate mm. into your personal values and morals and not just you wanting to run your mouth to, to look good in front of other coaches or high-profile uh, bodies. Mm. I definitely, man. Couldn't agree more. Aye. Couldn't agree more. Like, um, There's a lot of that shit in, in, in fucking everyday life, man. And fighters any different uh, UFC you're seeing that a lot like with the whole picogram hang and obviously Sugar Sean got injured and flagged hot for something I can't, I'm not sure what it was if it was like a SARM or if it was a healing peptide or something now here's interesting I, I, I'm sure did you listen to Matt Fraser on uh, Joe Rogan 
Uh, no, I've not actually. I've, I was so ambivalent <laughs> towards downloading Spotify that I've done it in the last week. I've still not signed in, but I'm missing my Rogan fix that I've, I've got it on my phone. So it was uh, one of those things where I'm listening to him talking, and he's and he's like, and he, he, he's 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 got a man. I like listen. I, I mean, I didn't even know what steroids were. I didn't know what songs were. I, I, I had to Google it, it man, because I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have to. I didn't know what steroids were, man. Like I didn't understand. It. I go, cool, man. Did you know? And that to me, that just makes me go, "Oh, you were you were definitely taking steroids, yeah. like because I've been do you know what I mean?" Several CrossFit gyms and they produce a phenomenal athlete, albeit natural or or unnatural. And uh, a sport with that high a volume needs some yeah. stronger than amino acids uh, for protein oh, synthesis. Hundred percent. Right. We had the conver- we had the conversation way way back with with our uh, buddy uh, Ian Mackey from Dove Island, hundred meters per hour, and Ian was telling Ian was telling us stuff, and it was just like fuck like fuck off man like you you, you like he was telling everybody uh, he told me the name of Sprinter in the gym once uh, he, he didn't say it on camera but a guy who was um in fact did he say it on camera I might have done no he didn't he said um, he wouldn't name it on camera just on camera. in case it was still a name a guy a guy who he, you know. Seen him at the end of the season, whatever October, November, and then seen him at the start of the next season. He was like 15 kilos of lean muscle bigger, and then broke the world record in like in the late 90s. And it's like, the fuck, like what the fuck's going on here? I could have highlighted a lot of that as well. Though. Yeah, that was a, it's a big I, one. I know somebody that got their bloods done recently by a British medical doctor who's that's his sort of profession is blood work, but also a performance enhancer supplier to elite level athletes. So he's also mm. testing like. Cage Warriors guys, Bellator guys, UFC guys, and he basically was open to this guy because my mate had asked him when he was getting bloods done because uh, certain white blood cells were high in his bloods that he'd got done. So he then had a sort of a rapport with the guy, and he the guy basically turned to him and says, everybody's doing it. He says, the only thing is the guys that are in the UFC and that, they have to take a lot less than other organisations because of USADA, but it's like they're basically running very small doses of testosterone daily. Opposed to like a macro dose, what a bodybuilder right. would be running. They're just micro, but, just micro dose and everything. Aye. I mean, I, I I remember having this conversation with a pal of mine, um, who was he, he was at the time he was he was still on the. I, I, no, I really think everybody's clean, and I'm like, you're out of your fucking mind. And they were talking about we're talking about Usain Bolt, and, and he's like, um, Nah, you know, I'd like to think that Usain Bolt was clean. I'm like, you're you're fucking mental. And then he said to me one day, I don't know about research and um. Like in the top ten fastest men of all time, like nine of them have failed drugs tests. It's like who's the only one that hasn't? Who's the only one that hasn't? Who's the only one that hasn't failed a drugs test? He's like Usain Bolt. I was like, so you're telling me the fastest man that's ever lived is way faster yeah. than everybody else, and he hasn't failed a drugs test? Cool, man. I'll, I'll leave you with that, and you can come I back know. to me anytime you want. Why are we still breaking world records if uh, drug testing's at its oh, peak at the, the scientific the, forefront? The, the Tour de France is a cool one because I've never yeah. actually checked this, but they said yeah. that like Lance Armstrong, the times like around that time, the times were just getting faster and faster and faster, and then they kind of backed <laughs> off, and now they're like way back fucking quicker than they were then because right. everybody the, stopped the looking now. Do you know what I mean? Like everybody's back to doing it. Yeah. As um, you were as you were saying there, Dean, as well, Salazar up at uh, Oregon Project. I've just finished reading Win at All Costs, the book all about it. Um, and the amount of doping he was doing, he was he was almost going an East European style regime that the East Europeans, uh, like uh, East Germany and stuff, uh-huh. around the 70s and 80s, where he was telling female athletes you Hormone need to take this, stuff, it's huh? horrible. Yeah, right. he was getting them to do, oh, this will stop you getting pregnant because if right. you're pregnant, your contract with Nike, actually up until right. 
just the last couple of years, Nike used to, if a woman fell pregnant, they would cut the contract. Uh, it was it was only Serena Williams when Serena Williams got pregnant. She had enough power to go. Hold on, another now, one all... that ran for the drug testers. Aye, but <laughs> for, for years, all these female runners were told if you get pregnant, you are because their contracts were basically set up that they had to compete once every three months as a uh, minimum. And obviously, if you're pregnant, you can't compete. And obviously, after birth, you can't. So they were missed out on nine to eighteen months worth of income, and they were basically being told, well, if you take these drugs. It's basically a contraceptive, so it'll stop you getting pregnant. But by a the way, don't, are very, don't, they don't go the pissing anywhere because I'm A lot of mm. people say like the way they're delivered is very vague. Or at least that's what the athletes are saying, which I mean, you're going to, to preserve integrity, especially if somebody's come out and yeah. has been part of your team. But it's almost like, and I, I wonder if it's a young athlete, I could imagine they're easily easy persuade more so than a, yeah. somebody who's maybe mid-20s onward, which seems to be where they do catch these athletes and stuff. Mm. So... It's almost a form of grooming, isn't it? It's almost a form of grooming. Because that was a game with Salazar. Loads of the women athletes had came out and basically had said to each other as part of like a WhatsApp group that got um, affidavited that don't let Salazar do a massage because when he's massaging you, he rubs testo gel on you. And obviously that absorbs through the skin and then you're pissing hot. But they were genuinely like, I've never taken anything. I've never, and they hadn't ever taken anything. It was uh, Salazar was doping them by, oh, just put some more. And obviously, once you're laid flat on a, a massage table, because obviously cream. hamstrings uh, and calves, just bang on some testo gel. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, um, that's madness. I never, I never even realised they were going to these sort of lengths. Right? Well, Salazar definitely was, because it was, and it's been proven in court. Eh? Uh, and so if Salazar comes after me, fuck you. But, <laughs> <laughs> I know, well, I'm uh, a bit of guy for Breaking Bad. <laughs> I know, uh, I know Ian, Ian had said that. Um, if he was taking what Alan Wells was taking, he'd have been the fastest man that ever lived. <laughs> like he was taking everything and he would taking a lot of it. <laughs> it's the recovery most of all, though, and obviously, like we said in combat sports, is the, the increased rate of force productions are the one that's worrying for the fighter to fighter, but it's the recovery. It's like mm. when you were 21 and that, you would train seven days a week, no bother. I remember roofing for five days on stripping retails and then I'd be going and training and sparring and that and uh, day after day like fair, I would argue roofing was definitely suffering at that point mm. more so than my training but nonetheless you're still doing a physical job for eight hours and then uh, training five days a week whereas fast forward to being brushing into my early 30s now is that I can't I can't do that no no naturally anyway no any protein powders clear proteins grape flavored vegan proteins fucking everything is you're not getting what you did in your early 20s i know i know it's a difference about 32 32 i know it's a difference where i can now train i still do sessions that are fucking savage brutally hard i can't do two of them in a row the next day it'd be like obviously if you're there I've seen you've been doing a lot of sprint work and stuff preparing mm. for the kelp man it's like your next day maybe be some form of lifting but it would uh, never ever be another heavily sprint maybe. agility based or power session no? very different yeah. um, so I like, like, like I see um, I, can, I know that I have competitions but you know Kieran Smith aye uh, Kieran posts these things up man Kieran's a fucking monster like always in other, good shape eh? Otherworldly, like he lives a fucking life, and, and we're having this comp. Like, I was fucking, I'm, I've, I've been threatening for ages to go over and train with him, and that. And um, like, I was trying, I was saying that to him one day. It's like, man, I, I can still train fucking Aye. really hard, really hard at 30 seconds. I can do Aye. a session that's it's fucking awful. I just can't do it two days in a row. I just can't. Aye. 
It's um, the cognitive uh, factors as well. And likewise, you're saying you run a couple of businesses and stuff. Is then your clients start to suffer. You uh-huh. got somebody that's trying to tell you about whatever's going on with their motor or what have you, and you're there like a fart oh, in a trance. It's, it's uh, hard, like, but I, listen, man, I've, I've said, I've always said, like, once I get to the point where I'm struggling, I'm still training uh-huh. 10 times a week, uh-huh. but I can't do the no all. Sometimes it might just be a light, like it might just be a list session. It's just Aye. fucking go and move pretty yeah, fucking pretty nicely. Aye. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just kind of do brutal sessions. When, when I was boxing at my prime, it was some of the sessions are fucking day awful. Day after day after day. Two hours at a time at a Scotland Aye. session. And it was everybody, obviously everybody's competing. So everybody's trying to outdo each other. Like I'd, you'd be hitting the bag and you'd be like fucking like Aston Brown would be there or like Kieran would be there and fucking Scott Forrest would be there. And you're trying to, everybody's trying to like outdo each other. So it was just constant, like hard, hard, hard work. So I think because you, know I mean? you obviously joined the Scotland squad slightly, are you are you slightly older than the guys you were on the team with as well? Oh, fucking way older, aye. That's a nice achievement uh, for a boxing standpoint so as well, because like, it's definitely um, a sport that favours a young man. Aye, man. Like on that team, on that team that I was there. So like around about Glasgow, like Stephen Lavelle went it at my way. He got a bronze medal. Um, Ross went in ninety one. Um, Scott Forrest went at 81. Uh, Kieran, Kieran was there at 75. Uh, Connor missed out on 69th Lewis Benson. Uh, right to be down that fucking list. Like, um, there were so many good fighters, but I was... I your names are. I, I, I was like fucking... Uh, in fact, a good wee guy who fights this weekend. Um, Cash Farouk. Cash Farouk. Uh, I boxed, well, honestly, I, he got me back into Scottish boxing because Tommy Philbin had fought an undercard. <laughs> Obviously, Tommy drew my mm. attention back to Scottish boxing or boxing in general. But I seen Cash Farouk headline that uh, one of Tommy's last pro fights, and good, I fell in love with boxing again. But I really felt like he won. He won that fight. Um, I definitely did. Personally, yeah. but again, I'm I'm not a boxing purist, so again, uh-huh. I'm basing that purely for subjective uh-huh. bias. Uh, but uh-huh. Cash Farouk, man, what a um, what an athlete, talented guy, man, a, a really nice kid as well. He uh, we boxed. I would love um, to walk, work with him. Like I really uh-huh. like to work with Cash Farouk. We we boxed. Uh, we boxed Norway. Uh, uh-huh. On the same team, and but there, uh, like I was, I'm probably ten years older than he is. Uh, uh, but I was always like six or seven years older than everybody else. Uh, like, I was buying them drink, guy. That was a fucking sound like an old man here, but that was like a golden age for Scottish amateurs, man. There was so much fucking, not even just good boxers, so much depth in every way. Uh, um, like fucking really good guys, like and every, every way I had a good couple of guys who were. Nice Pre- to live through that as well and see where these guys are going. And obviously, like, Connor had passed there. He was uh, just signing with the, the, the big names in the sport. And likewise, with Cash Farouk, you're seeing it now as well. They're, they're under the biggest names in boxing. And they're the ones following uh, in the footsteps. Uh, got, all these great fighters. Hopes. I've got high hopes for Kieran. Still, still got uh, high hopes for Kieran, man. Like I've, I said this he's right. Huge, the, yeah. His limbs are fucking, huge. I sparred That's him once. I sparred him once, man. And he's so quick. He's just. He's so, what I said to him. I said this to my to my pal Danny. I'd box someday, and I said the difference between the difference I've seen between Kieran and every other Scottish boxer that I've seen so far is Kieran because of the way he lives and trains. Right for the first belt, he looked confident, like he looked confident that he had power. He could go ten rounds because it was a ten round that he was doing. Like he looked like he was confident in his ability to go ten rounds and hurt someday and fight at a good pace, and he because he can. Because a lot of other guys who I see who are like I see guys um don't fucking naming anybody, but I've seen guys doing like like hashtag strength and conditioning and you're like 
that's a, it's just a circuit, old school boxing circuit. Burpees is the pinnacle of it. You know what I mean? Like this is not. A lot of really... people say that about boxing now that it's, it's slow to catch up with this. Yeah. Likewise, I feel like people are saying similar things with Thai boxing as well. <laughs> but Kieran, Kieran genuinely fucking does things right. I mean, he's Aye. phenomenal. I think. I mean, I, and I told him like he was posting times, like he's swimming times and that. Aye. And I'm like, man, you you're going to be a fucking out. Once you stop boxing, you're going to be an outrageous triathlete. Because you've run times, you've run times, you've got the gas tank. Oh, that looks oh, like it's more sort of his genetic makeup as he's you know, the, the, the long haul. He's he's one of those guys who could be a really good runner or a triathlete, um, whatever he wants to do. Really, he's just so good at it. such a good fucking natural athlete. Yeah, but um, hopefully, yeah, I'd love to go and see him. I'd love to go and see him fighting for a world title and, and making some. I know, it's that thing is, um, especially getting to the stages is that these things are probably on the horizon. That was mm, the thing yeah. as well that broke, broke my heart a wee bit with Tommy Fulburn as well. Is for me, for the side, there was all these things written there. But obviously for Tommy, it was, that was never really what he was seeing. Um, and it's, it's shite because we, we want our unicorn, we want our Conor McGregor, uh, whether it be boxing, MMA, we just we want the, the big titles for the wee nations. Aye, uh, aye. Um, there's, 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 I mean, I mean, Josh, Josh Taylor's uh, see the top of his game right now, isn't he? Fucking phenomenal fighter. My well, stepdad and that, they're not, they don't know a lot about boxing stuff like that, but they've seen him pressed in pans, they'll stop him and yap to him and that. And everybody mm. says, as far as a fighter could go, and that is, he'll always stop and have a conversation with you like he knows you. But again, he's just getting in, knows, doesn't know my stepdad for Adam. Uh, he's um, a nice, he's, nice, uh, humble guy. He's uh, he was even, even at like the Scottish, like national team, like. He was just different, just Aye. different. Just he's a special, a special talent. I feel like um, that with Mark Ewan is is, and again, someday I would do S and C with a couple of times a week, and the next day they'd be in at ten a.m. wrestling, and I'd be saying, "Like you know, fatigued," and he'd be like, "Nah," I'd be like, <laughs> "All right." I'd do like a session like that, and that's me ripping off for two days, like you're saying, two days or less. <laughs> um, but he's he, he says, I, I, "I don't believe in fatigue." And I'm like, that's, it's just a crazy I mindset. I, I don't know him, but like I've, I've seen a lot of things said about him. But I don't actually know him. He's a great guest on yeah. here as well. Um, it's just his whole outlook on things. It's very rare you spend time around somebody that's 22 and you can take away a lot that you'll implement in your life. Usually mm-hmm. there's almost your wisdom uh, rubs off on them, but likewise mm-hmm. with him, is you're, you're getting a lot of things with I wonder how much of that comes from being like a, coming from like an, an interracial family. Uh, like, I wonder how much of that's just, do you know what I mean? Uh, like, he has to have these different perspectives on things because... To be the outlier, and you hear aye, so many, uh, you know many I mean? ignorant things as you grow up and that, and what can you say until you, you become of age or you become this guy that's taking the heads off any any fighter that's put in front of him? Huh? I feel like that is a, there's a wee bit of driving force in that as well. And again, uh, another one's being mixed race. You're neither yeah. categorised as black or white as your, totally. your two ethnicities but you're almost defined as one if it came to a slagging yeah. match and stuff like that uh, yeah they pull out they pull out the one they don't want to be a part of it goes and you've been right. talking there Dean that you like last night Joey Diaz it goes back to immigrant mentality he talks about immigrant mentality <laughs> Joe Rogan immigrant <laughs> mentality I see with my, my masses honestly is that I'm learning a work ethic as somebody who's got their own business and I'm seeing just how much somebody else is willing to today to sustain a, a nice job that people here would, wouldn't want to do. Um, but that's obviously, because, a software um, engineer sought after, but 
that's because like fucking we've talked about this before near as well, man. Is like <clears throat> people in Scotland are like say, oh, man, but this shit, we've got it fucking listen, man. We we've got it so fucking easy. I would hear it at uni. People are saying that they couldn't be arsed being in like a psychology class, and I'm looking outside at the building site, and it's pushing in, and I'm like. Aye. You have uh, any idea this is a, a, a you've never had to start a mixer at half five in the morning when it's uh, minus four, you fucking mongrel. Your mom's still paying your student digs you either. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's so easy. Like, it's so easy. Even you the last mean? year, like, um, as much as it's been a, a, a turbulent year, never once in Scotland will you be left with some form of income, whether it be universal credits, whether it be a paper room for working on the milk, can fit a young age up to adulthood is there's, there's some form of income. Never mm. once are you left out with nothing. But as you yeah. look at it, like, I see it with the, the Pakistani guy I've been getting some rash cards and stuff made off as well, is that we've seen, because me and Harris had both purchased some stuff off him, so we've seen him go for wherever it was he was living, but when a few months of working, we actually seen he'd moved house. Uh, and clearly it was as a direct result of that business, and it's then led mm. to a cascade of other clients throughout Britain and some American ones. And see the, the gratefulness and stuff like mm. that, and even just recognising their culture a wee bit by saying things like um, salam alaikum and stuff like that. As you go, you do these extra wee things as these people, they was then sending over birthday presents from a bird that was like a traditional Pakistan dress and that. And uh, Ken, it was like, and British and Britain were almost so terrified they ripping each other off and other people ripping you off. But mm. we, we paid these other people as almost like they're going to do the same as us, but never once yeah. have I sent like yeah. a thousand pound or what have you for products and never once have I been shortchanged. I I I got my um when I got my my pink rash guard made from that was through Dan that was a guy in Bangladesh and that was my concern I was like and I'm sending like six hundred quid to Bangladesh you're like six hundred quid six hundred quid do you know what I mean like am I going to see this shit again but no I mean they fucking made them and they was phenomenal there was an extra one in the back. I need to, um, I need to actually, uh, and I'll need to actually speak to. Well, you could tell me as well, but I've got. A, a, I don't know if I've ever showed you. But I've got. A, I've got a Scottish themed rash guard ready to go, like designed ready to go. Um, it's fucking minty. If I get it done, I was meant to get Dan to do it, but he's fucking about like only Dan. I don't know if you know Dan, but he's so I, I, fucking. I've only ever rode with Dan um, the once and met him obviously through Connor, but it was Connor mm. I'd originally gone to jujitsu for and met Dan just in the passing. He's so fucking relaxed and laid back that he just kind of. He'll do he'll do things when he feels like doing it. But I've got the Scottish rash card that's been ready to go now for about a year, and it's fucking <laughs> so cool. Like properly, I'll say I'll, I'll send you a, I'll send you a message. Once, I'll show you once we've done. Yeah, it's I'll so send fucking you the, cool. The contacts and stuff as well. At least then you've got a, a couple of options. Uh, I, um, I, need, I would say I'll do it's it. Good fun. The, the merchandise has a lot of fun when you start seeing yeah, like, like nice quality rash cards and stuff. You're like, oh, I yes. totally get one made. Like I've got the, I've seen the the shark ones. Is that the pink uh, one? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just an idea for like ourselves. And I cut the folk bottle them. Um, I did do a set. I did, I did get one made. I did get one made for oh, a guy in Glasgow done it for me. Um, but that was just a one-off for me. But I've never maybe sell some of them. But the Scottish one that I've got is fucking pretty cool. I, I've, I've just got. I've said this before, man. Like I'm like the world's most average man. I just get with so many fucking ideas. Like I've got ideas written down in my phone for stand-up comedy. Like I'm never going to do stand-up comedy, but sometimes you just go. Bash, bash, I fucking, that seems like a funny concept, and I can't yeah. believe that. I've got all these ideas, and I've got like another rash guard that I'm kind of thinking about already in the back of my head. And then I'm like, man, I need to buy another acoustic guitar because I want to play a good acoustic guitar. And then it's like, fuck, I've got to do this podcast. And then <laughs> I need to learn it. Fuck, what, what do I need to improve on this to get a purple belt? It's a good thing, I, though, to have that sort of drive. You know I mean? as, as just no, crazy. No, no sort of settling just for running yourself into the ground with a 95. It's having these other avenues. That, okay. In the last year, it's like I've, I've rarely found myself overly bored. Um, yeah. 
And again, obviously, I, I don't doubt if he strictly abided by the guidelines issued for either either our parliament, whatever ones you chose to abide by, as you would maybe feel slightly more restricted, but never once in his last year have I been bored. Um, I think as well, I think some people have have found out, and this is going to sound harsher than I maybe mean it to, but people have found out maybe that their lives didn't really have that much in it to begin with. Everything for your relationships or what have you. Yeah, whereas you've had, you know, you've always worked with fighters, you've got that yeah. background, you know, your your partner, Chris has got his businesses, the trade yeah. in, do you know what I mean? And obviously we we literally started this podcast just over a year ago. Yeah. And we said we, we were laughing about it the other morning, eh, Chris? We were saying like uh, we set up and we genuinely said, see if we get six episodes out of this, yeah. we'll be delighted. Be happy. Mm. Yeah. And we'll just do it till people either Some of the guests are epic. On. Brilliant guess. He's just the other thing as well is like uh, Fala's podcast they've got a substantial reach as well and they've stuck to a lot of local talent. So it's it's crazy when you see not that it's ever about who you have on, but the, the reach that some mm. guests and stuff would have as well. It's, it's gonna be nice when this one starts to pop as well, because you've got this back catalogue that people are gonna be able to catch up on, nevering for mm. randoms like myself all the way to these um guys that have got prosthetics that have been, you know, they've been at, mm. at the front line and they're then competing in jiu-jitsu and stuff like that as well. It's these um, inspiring stories, huh? One of the things I wanted to, one of the things that I kind of wanted to do was to make the podcast big before right. we got on people like you right. or like fucking kind of smaller local guys right. so you could kind of push them a bit more, right. you know what I mean? But it's right. still really happened that way. But no, no. It doesn't um, seem that's how it works. So you've got to start right. grassroots and then it's no fucking, the it's football no, pitch. It's no, it's no competition yeah. for anything, right. man. You're just right. having fun and see where it goes. But right. um, It's nice to have a wee bit of competitive drive as well, though, is because right. like we say, we've, we've referenced Joe Rogan enough and whatnot and Joe Diaz, but he's almost opened his doorway where you can be in your house and you can be communicating with guys like these Navy SEALs or special ops and stuff like that. Wait do you see, wait do you see, uh, Alan, we'll move tell you when we fucking stop I, recording, but you want to see the fucking guest list for fucking I, April and May, man. Like, are you just fuck? reaching out to them via email or social media? You find email is a bit more a professional platform for guests? Or? I go between Whatever. two because as, as most... <laughs> Try as both. Most, I, 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 uh, I alternate between sliding into I, random American men's DMs I, and if I can get an email... Because they've got unlisted, I'll go that route first. Mm. And quite often, probably maybe three or four times out of ten, people will come back and go, I'm really interested. Go and send me an email with the details because I didn't always see the details. Because obviously they're not following us and they've got 25,000 followers that the message just disappear. So Mm. they'll often come back and be like, here's my email address. Go and loop it into my email so I'll actually see it and get it organised, which is always really nice, eh? Um, but yeah, just uh, it's funny. We've been asked loads, um, and, and people seem a little bit disappointed when I give them the answer. They're like, "How do you get these guests?" And I'm like, I "Ask them." A random show. Yeah, and I think it's because, and me and Chris have spoke about this before, <clears throat> that I think people want it to be more complicated because then too lazy they, to do the, the initiative. They, 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 they have an excuse. They have an excuse why they're not doing anything. It's like yeah. uh, people that hate their job, and I, I'll sit and reiterate them like, and. The big thing for me was always that I couldn't afford to do it. And then my Dutch mate, uh, I met him randomly at a festival. Um, we just kept in touch. And then obviously I must have been moaning about roofing or something. He was a freelance web engineer. Um, and I would be saying, he'd be telling me, why do you not leave your job? Why do you not leave your job? And I'd be like, oh, I can't afford it. And he'd be like, that's bullshit. And I was like, ego check. And, I, and he was like, what kind of funding's available? Could you not work part time? Like, there's your two resolutions for your, your bills right there. 
uh, all of a sudden it leaded to leaving a job. And then likewise, I'll say it to people and see if anybody ever says to me, I can't afford that, as I will jump it and go right for the throat. Uh, it's, it's, it's such a shit excuse to put a ceiling on your ability. Mm. Um, we have been guilty of it. We have been guilty, though. Aye, there's, there's, times, there's times even with the podcast, me and Chris have both said, uh, and, and we've said it on the podcast, folk like will go, I've I've had a really good time. This has been a good, and we go ah we're just fucking idiots. We don't know what we're doing. Self handicap, no. But we kind of are, and as I say, we're hey, this is into the second year. This is episode sixty two. Do you know what I mean? We're we're being downloaded in forty two countries. We were speaking randomly. We're laughing midweek. A guy got in touch to say he listens in Uruguay. Shout out to Christian if you're listening, Christian from Uruguay. Um, and, and he said he said he listens to the podcast so he can learn English better. And he found it just randomly. And I was like, tell him this is a very bad representation of English. (laughs) Well, that's what I said. I said, how do you go with the accents? And he says, I actually find it relatively easy. He said, but, you know what I mean? Like, we'll have to, at some point, acknowledge that what we've done is pretty fucking cool. There's an impact, a positive impact on people's life, sir. Out with what you would ever have imagined. Pretty insane, man. Like like I'm saying, like there's been a couple of times where I've posted a video training or whatever. And, like, the first four or five people that have liked it is, like, uh, like Laura Zera, uh, Jack Carr, <laughs> Jason Gardner, and then like Anthony Deal, America's Strongest Man, I mean, and it, and it's, it's, you just you just look at shit you go, like how does cool this is mental? Do you know what I mean? Completely crazy. Um, nice how when uh, somebody you see as a personality engages with you or gives you a wee flip like Vinny Shorman's a wee bit like that. I see it and he follows me, and uh, there's other guys as well, and I'm like. He's a guy I'd like to get on. I'd like to get Vinny Shorman on. I think it'd be quite I'm in, interesting. I'm interested. I've read some nice research on hypnosis as well. It's mm. one of the things where it's always been very woo-woo. Mm. Um, and then you start to see like proper literature on it, and they're saying it's underutilised in sport. And then, obviously, the whole custom out of Mike Dyson, Liam Bad, Co, and um, Vinny Shorman, as again, it's another dynamic. As There's got yeah. to be something to it. I think, he follow, I think Vinny Shorman follows Instagram, the, the Silly Goose Gang Instagram page. I'm, I'm going to have to reach out to him at some point and see if he'd come on. Um, but yeah, maybe no. that will be looking at June. to digress a wee bit more into that as well. Yeah, definitely, it? man. Right. I mean, we, we had on um, uh, the last episode was uh, Kedrick Olsen was like, I don't know, what was his, what was his official kind of title? He's, a, we he's officially a shadow worker, I think he wanted listed as. Um, a, a runic scholar and shadow worker. Like, so far out with our, like, what we know, but a super nice guy, lovely guy. He's talking about how he trained people to not be scared of ghosts and all this shit. And, 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 it's funny and he's such a nice that. guy. And it's just like, man, this is so far out with what we are comfortable with. But it was I, great. I know somebody as well who's been, came to a near death experience day, but he was diagnosed as terminally ill. And during that period of recovery and stuff, started to see a lot of spirits and stuff like that. They then inadvertently met somebody else who had these abilities or what have you. And again, it seems absolutely mental, but this person I would take as gospel because they're not the type to tolerate a lot of bullshit for mm. anybody. So for them to make up things about spirits and blah de blah de blah is very out of the box for them as a person. And uh, since that near-death experience and recovery for terminal illness, they've met somebody who's also got these gifts or abilities, and they've then went to see somebody who travels around the world doing exorcisms and stuff. Again, another one where you're like, this is mental. Mm. But the guy who was doing exorcisms in that around the world basically fell out with this person because they were more qualified or had a higher ability than them, so he stopped working with them. He wouldn't help them with whatever issues they were having. 
which is kind of it's a big elaborate story just to glorify yourself as somebody who sees ghosts. But, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's, it's something so foreign for reality that you instantly, and as a scientist, yeah. you actually say, ah, bullshit. But we believe in hypnosis and that, and we believe in psychology, but we didn't believe mm-hmm. in, like, for, say, the, the village elder who's meant to have abilities and whatnot and that, and these sort of superstitious beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, that it'd be something that'd be a, that'd be an amazing guest as somebody who who did that sort of shadow working and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Ah, he was he yeah, was, was super We never had um, we kind of got our times mixed up, so Aye. we only had like an hour, Aye. so we never really got deep into it. But um, uh-huh. we'll, we'll speak to him again. Super nice guy, um, really interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, Is so that podcast up? So, ah, it's one before so, you. What's the guy's 61. name? Cadric uh, Olson. Episode 61, Shall We Goose Gang podcast, I check out on all streaming platforms. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know that, because obviously as I've been listening through them and that, as times went on, I've been sticking to the, the guys I was familiar with, like say, Barry Gibson and uh, Phil Daru and mm. Daniel Strauss and stuff like that. Um, is it, <laughs> it's funny that you're talking about our podcast when you see those names. You're like, what were they on ours? Oh, Phil Daru, yeah. I was when Mike Fred's manager, Jertic, gave you a shout-out, Chris, off the back of that. Yeah, Jertic gave me a shout-out on the stories, man. This is Joanna. I know you watch Joanna, so... That hematoma that you were talking about, that one was... That was something for the ages. That cemented, like, our women as equally as good and tough as men in combat sports. And there's your wee asterisk. It's like... Please feel free to watch that. <laughs> tell me that's not double tough. Tell, tell me, Joanna, your Jerzyk's not tough. You fucking Aye. idiot. That's metal. Polish, Polish bird tough. She's tough. So I, I, it's um, fuck, man. Like the, the, the last year's been been crazy for us, um, and we're we're kind of happy to see. What, you know what, man? It's like you you fucking take these take these opportunities when they arrive. They're like. If you don't, if you, if you don't like, it sounds so stupid to say this, but like, if you don't do anything, nothing happens. Aye. Do you know what it's I mean? That, that so, initial leap, it's like the aye, whole, man, like, the whole what cold water therapy thing. Is I don't think we're going to reinvent the real way of taking a cold shower or a cold plunge in the morning, but see that flinch, that initial like, I do not fucking want to do this, but I have to. It's being able to be in control. That likewise, it, I feel like it relays well in sparring and even just stupid things is controlling that impulse. It's, t- it's taking yourself out your com- out with your yeah. comfort zone, like, and, and there's always this like kind of fear in the first place where you go, man, we do this podcast, and folk gonna laugh at us and think we're fucking idiots. And I'm sure, sure people do. I'm sure Aye. people do, but like, I'm, I'm I couldn't give a fuck about that. It's always but, gonna happen. It's, uh, it's a lot easier for people to procrastinate and talk shit I mean? about you because so you're uh, slightly different for the status quo. Yeah. Is somebody going to say, man, the fucking Dean, man, the fucking guy, he's fucking doing, it all, he's doing his own business now, fucking telling people what to train now. I think he's a fucking fancy cunt, like. That's one That's thing, I, I sustained it out of uh, college, I, st- I started doing it, and then see as I got into, like, fourth year, I would see other people who wanted similar avenues, they would start, but it's like, you've had four years, you've, kind of, you've had four years to sort of pick, but I mean, again, I was coming in mid-twenties. Mm. Um, and like what we were saying earlier, he's trying to get people on board to support it and that. Whereas now I'll go to a fight show and some of the company, I'm like, you're that primitive evolved guy. And I was like, first time it happened, I was like, aye, aye, I am, aye, aye. <laughs> I was like, I was like, brilliant. Awesome, man. Like, aye. Oh. It's nice. I know then relayed into working with the guys. That's a yeah. high boxing coach um, up with who was it that fought MVP against Scottish guy again, Ross? Um... Oh, <sighs> Oh, fuck man 
I'm sorry for forgetting his name, but nonetheless, yeah, Mitch is a coach yeah. up there. I know, but nonetheless, the guy fought MVP on Bellator and that too, so a, a very high-profile Scottish fighter, um, possibly destined for the UFC as well. But it was nice, uh, nice guys that are training alongside the likes of him and that are approaching you and recognising what you're doing. Ross Houston. Definitely. Ross Houston, Ross Houston I almost had a second screen set up here because I went my my girl's office. Um, she was like, "In case you need to Google anything about," like I was like, "Fuck, I'm the young Jamie today." Ah, uh, uh, you're the young it's, Jamie. Uh, I'm Jamie. It's, uh, I listen, man. I fucking love. I love it. I love it when people in Scotland are actually willing to fucking help each other. I'm a big fan of it. Like, there seems to be so much. Fucking even just involved. a wee shout out like me putting up your posted there. Cl- I clicked on you to see. I was like, who have we got in common? I'm obviously like jujitsu, jujitsu, jujitsu. But then I start seeing a couple of randoms I had for America that that barely interacted with me, but I'd seen that them went on to follow the podcast. I was like, see that that post took me about two minutes, and I had to put myself out there a wee bit and almost you not know, grovel with people to help support this uh, sort of growing wee project as I got going. But just to reach out and be like, it takes you three clicks. To push follow, worst case scenario, push mute if you think we're all a bunch of roasters. Just mute us, but keep following. Again, that mm-hmm. that one we follow is it's, it's significant impact us. Definitely, yeah. man. Like I couldn't agree more. It, like, it takes no time to to to, to share stuff. Um, like I know, I know a couple of people who have who've asked me about um, like strength and conditioning and nutrition and, stuff, and I'll say like, man, fucking follow Dini. Puts it. One of the things that I like. Uh, I don't know why you you. you you didn't seem to do it as much yet, but you were doing like in lockdown. You were doing like uh-huh. loads of fucking videos every day, man. I'm like, they're really good. Like, they're really interesting. Uh-huh. There's something else for everybody. Caught up on the numbers as well. Like uh-huh. we were talking about the platform growing. If you're you're seeing maybe Monday, you get 600 views. Then by Friday, if you've done three four videos, you're doing uh, 180 200. You're thinking, ah, oh, nobody wants to see that, right? What do they want to see? And it's always uh-huh. your worst content when you think, what do people want to see? Uh, versus yeah. just sort of coming on and sort of laying yeah. down the gospel. Let's see, yeah. can maybe do we do we get a backlash or do we get somebody that actually says similar things? That happens with the mental health thing. Sorry, Chris. I was, was going to say I've sent people, I've sent people to fucking come and see that stuff because it was like genuinely really good, really good content, eh? So, um, well, like, but it's nice, nice just to support each other too. If we're training under the same yeah. banner stuff, or even if we're, we're for the same country, we're on the same planet. Let's not even call it a country; it's the same world. It's wow. like. That's why I'm just I'm constantly trying to share something that's maybe a wee bit a wee bit thought provoking because I know how ignorant I've been in years gone by. I mean, do you, if you grew up in working class Scotland or what have you, everybody's well aware what we would reference takeaways and shops and stuff like that. But that was just the ignorance of being a young boy. If we're now in our thirties and that, and these things are still slipping through the cracks, is where where we're the ones that's maybe the issue is for for anything to any sort of change to happen. Definitely I know what it's like to, to be ginger and be ridiculed for your, your physical characteristics. Um, and again, it's it's one of the things where it, it's funny. It's funny because it's like uh, you could get away with murder against a ginger, but if you change that person to um, something else, you should be looking at, fuck the way society is going, you should be looking at jail time. Yeah, um, it's probably coming, man. It's probably genuinely probably coming. I guarantee you'll be coming. Uh, like, I think as well. Ginger. Did you... The, the, that's like the Count Dankula guy who taught his pug to right wing salute <laughs> to right wing salute a photo of Hitler and he was they basically had the Scottish secret services investigating him I never knew we had secret services 
There you and go. I thought, ah, and so they, he had Scottish Secret Services investigating him as a fascist, and I got to charge him and whatnot. But they yeah. couldn't find anything, and still to this day, it hinders him, it chases him. People calling yeah. him a fascist and a right wing stuff like that. And he says to them, "I'll give you two hundred quid if you can find anything I've done that is legit fascism." Because yeah. the Scottish yeah. Secret Agency's couldn't find it, so I don't know if um, came on. Your old boy, Super Cod, is going to find anything. <laughs> um, right, man, fucking, it's, it's 10 o'clock, and I'm... Uh, I know. I used to up at the track of dawn. Dawn brigade yeah, by name. Up, uh, I'll, be up early. I'll be up early, but... Um, bye, man, it was it was a fucking good That's old fucking uh, yeah, conversation. Yeah, I was probably really good, like, aye. Yeah, uh, I was going to be uh, more sports science heavy again, so I came a wee bit prepared and stuff with some notes, and some questions I wanted to ask you about again. Tours, uh, just putting the world to right, so... Well, that was brilliant. Like I'm yeah. going to be starting a podcast as well. I'm just in the process of converting my loft, getting some um, funky art and stuff up. But I'm going to create a wee, a wee podcast area. So once obviously restrictions and that left in that as well, I'd love to have you boys on. It'd be brilliant. Like, share, man. Aye, return the favour and get the platform out there. Spot on. Come on anytime. Yeah. Totally. I thought uh, we yeah. do wind up officially, Dean, just because we mentioned it a few times, eh? and we'll tag us in on the, the video yeah. and the release but if people want to find out more about you social media give us a shout out and we'll tag us in just now mate it's just uh, at primitive.evolve uh, on Instagram primitive minus the E so P-R-I-M-I-T-I-V dot evolve um, and there'll be a website and booking system and everything coming soon likewise with YouTube I'm going to be getting a podcast up as mentioned but I'll be transferring a lot of my Instagram content and hopefully more sports science related content and the Sports science uh, facility I'm looking to open in August as well. I kept that one under wraps a wee bit, and it's still a bit touch and go as towards where the unit will be, but definitely Fife's got to have its uh, first and only privately run sports science centre as well. So I'd love to have awesome. you. Anytime you've got a wee blast, I'll have you. Brilliant. Definitely, man. Sounds awesome. Awesome. Well, second year of Silly Goose Gang has officially started with episode 62 of Dean Hepburn from Primitive Evolve. Dean, thank you for the last two hours. Awesome. Let's call episode 62 done and dusted. Thank you very much. The Silly Goose Gang Podcast.